and Gibby. The Frangie Show starts now on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Welcome into the program. Glad you're along with us, along with Hayes Carly and Lauren Brooks and Andrew Gibson. I'm Frank Frangie as we embark on a day from the Players' Championship. My goodness, what a gorgeous day this is today. Glad you are with us as we kick this bad boy off. We've been here all day long at the radio station. I think you know that by now. And we are glad you are with us. Andrew Gibson's out here with us on location, by the way. So Dylan Denmark back at World Headquarters making it all happen. Uh, We've got a lot of golf to talk about. We've got a little hoops to talk about, maybe even a little football to talk about. But I'll tell you what, March, May, July, August, whenever – this is a gorgeous day of golf today. I mean, it has been fantastic out here today. Uh, this is literally perfect. We said that yesterday the wind would be a lot higher than the wind gusts would be a lot higher than today. That was correct. And the sun is out now. It was a little overcast earlier. But, I mean, talk about perfect conditions for golf. I've been out here since about 11-ish. And I every single person I've talked to is really enjoying watching this. And, and obviously – Right now, we've got some names up top of the leaderboard, Hayes, that people have never heard of, and that's kind of fun, too. Yeah, Chad Ramey leading the way, uh, 30-year-old, uh, 225th in the world, $2.4 million in career earnings. Obviously, if he were to win this event, uh, he would make more this week than he's made in his career, uh, which is uh, amazing to think. Long way to go until we get to that, but this course was there for the taking. And if you're an elite player that didn't take advantage of this morning – then you've got to be really kicking yourself. Uh, and again, talking about that, that group right out of the gate, the top three players in the world, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Rory McIlroy, really disappointing round for Rory McIlroy uh, to shoot a four over. Uh, Scheffler kind of sputtered for the first nine, uh, just, to, just pars, uh, and missed some chances. Then he got really going to close it four under. Rom was sort of the stronger player of the three early, but then kind of didn't do much on the back nine. Still a respectable uh, number for him, I believe, at one under. But this course was there. And to Colin Morikawa's credit, uh, he was the, certainly the most well-known player to take advantage. The, the pen placements today are all incredibly forgiving. It's almost like the tournament officials said, this is going to be your day. You know, let's get this thing off to a good start. Let's get some buzz going. Let's get some good scores going uh, because it is it is out there today to be had. All right, so little hoops, by the way. Brooks, what's the update on the hoops? I need a hoops update. We have a tie between Florida and Mississippi State, uh, so they are headed to overtime. It is 57-all. Florida had a chance to win it uh, at the buzzer, but, of course, that shot did not go in. What was it? What did they shoot? Was it uh, a three, a it layup? Was a, it was a three. No, it was a three. They kind of fumbled the ball. Uh, that's a football term, but you know what I mean. Uh, this handled the ball around the top of the arc, and then I believe it was Shimmy that had a chance uh, for the three. But either way, it, I feel like overtime for this basketball team being down by more than 10 in the first half is probably pretty good. And I got to tell you, Hayes, the winner of this game, this could could impact the championship of college basketball. You know, you, you said this during the Jaguar season, <laughs> yeah. and it rings true yeah, you know, for the Gators I, I basketball team. I did. I'm just if the Gators basketball team doesn't lose again yeah. this season, That's exactly they right. will win the national championship. Again, you, are, you, know, you're, you control your destiny. Right now, you control your destiny. You win this one, you get to 17 and 15 and 10 and 9 in the league. Yeah. I got two words for you. Look out. I, I tell That's you. All I well, say. I mean, the fact that the game's 
just gone into overtime is enough for me to run away with a moral victory yeah. no matter what happens in the, <laughs> in the overtime period. But, yeah, hopefully Florida can yeah. get it done. And I, I do think it'd be a great win for them. I mean, it would guarantee a winning record. Obviously, Alabama is going to beat them by whatever they want to beat them by. But, uh, but it would be nice, I think, for Todd Golden to say we had a winning record uh, through the SEC tournament. We'll see what they do in, in, the, po- in the NIT, uh, assuming they go. But, uh, I, you know, and they would finish with a winning record. Uh, well, 10 wins in league play. Right. When they lose to Alabama, it'd be 10 and 10. But I think, there, you know, there'd be some good that he could pull away from that uh, that might help him get some players uh, on the recruiting trail to enhance their efforts going into year two. Yeah, they will be in the NIT either way. The NIT, long as you don't have a losing record, you can be in the NIT. And they won't have a losing record even if they lose this game. They'll be 16 and 16 overall. So they will be. And I can tell you they've already – Send in NIT paperwork in hopes that they host an NIT game, and expectations are that they will. So that's Is the show going on the road for the NIT. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you telling me? You telling me when you're playing host to LaSalle and a Tuesday night first round Tuesday nighter? We're not going to be there, Carline. It's a big game. I mean, how, how do you not? I mean, how do you, how do you not go for that? So I once wore the headset during an NIT game, Frank. I believe you were there. As oh, a I remember fact. that had you, the UNF, UNF first Florida. Florida. You you were running around with the headset. Florida was undergoing the renovations for Exact Tech Arena at the O'Connell Center, and so yeah, right. UNF played host to Florida in the first round of the NIT. And uh, let's just say that Florida was a bit better that night. There was nothing in my life better than when you worked at UNF and had to run around with that headset. Remember, remember Brooks in the headset? She's running around telling the band, Donna. telling the yeah. cheerleaders what to do, telling the band what to do, telling them all what to do. it was fantastic. It was the happiest moments of my life. You'd, you'd not have mine. You have to run all I around. I loved everyone at UNF, but I am not someone who grew up in that world of college athletics, and certainly not band and cheerleading. That was not my strong suit, and so I did not like being in charge of all that. I love that. I love running, Brooks running around with a headset. I said, "Yeah, keep, I said, can you take the headset off? No, nope, gotta wear the headset." So. <laughs> Hey, a lot to talk about today on the golf. Today's all about golf. Chris Reimer comes by at 4 o'clock, and we'll talk about how all of our players have done today. Uh, it really was a gorgeous day for golf. I mean, it was, it was that perfect a day here uh, at, the, at the stadium course. It really was perfect today, and it was, and it was a, a good day to be out here watching golf and a fun day to be out here watching golf, and, and we're glad we've been out here. So it's been a, a lot of fun. I will tell you, I walked with Chad Ramey for three or four holes, four or five holes in the front nine, or in the back nine, rather. He was he played obviously he played great. He's leading the golf tournament at eight under. But he was never rattled. This is a guy that you could see watching him play. At least today, the moment was never too big for him. So I got so we we we're following him, right? So I get so he's going to seventeen. So I'm thinking, okay, big boy. Here's this is <laughs> I saw him there too. this this is were you there? Yeah. Because this you here you you've made it to seventeen now. Let's 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 see how let's see how this works out for you. Um Hazy hit it to two and a half feet. I mean, he, I, I thought when it was in flight. Were you watching the ball in flight, Lauren? Were you there? I was, yeah. I was on 16. So I watched him birdie 16 and then stayed there to <coughs> yeah. watch him go to 17. And, and the ball, and the ball, and I, you know, I was, that was a stretch where I was watching him too. The ball's in flight. Hazy, I thought he was going to make it. I mean, it, it really looked like he was going to ace. That's a good way to start the tournament. Acing 17. Hit it to about two and a half feet. So Which we did have one of those this morning. Yeah. Hayden yeah. Buckley had an ace at yeah. 17, but what's crazy is he got to five under, and the last I saw, he's one over. Yeah, he kind of fell apart. Yeah, so that's a tough afternoon. It's a hard, co- morning. It's a hard yeah. sport and a hard course. And uh, the thing with Ramey, too, is he then followed that up with a, a great drive on 18. Right. Now his approach wasn't great. He, did, uh, he didn't get it up the hill. Yeah, and so, but, he, but he made a nice putt, save par. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and your key phrase in, in talking about him is, at least for today. Now right. the key will be, That's yes. right. does Ramey come out here tomorrow and put up a 76? Yeah, I don't yeah. expect Chad Ramey to win the golf tournament. 
But the but the but and and, and that doesn't mean he can't. But I I would be surprised if Chad Ramey wins the golf tournament. But the bottom line is it's a great round today. A great round and a first guy. And by the way, I'm not counting him or anybody else out. He's got the head start. It's just hard for four days. But I'm telling you, Morikawa, though, I would not be surprised if he wins. By the way, Chad Ramey, a Mississippi State guy. Ah, well, his basketball team looks like they're well on their way. His at this basketball, point in they're time. up 64-59 now, um, in in this period of overtime against the Gators in this first round game. So we'll talk more about uh, the golf as we come. I want to talk about the day a little bit. I want to talk about the feeling in March. We'll give you some scores of what some of the uh, some of the bigger name players did. We'll tell you what all of our guys did. Um, Taylor Dahl's good. Do we have do we have an hour of Taylor Dahl? We do have an hour of Taylor Dahl players put, updates and, put, and more. Uh, put, put your headset on like. over there. Put your headset on. Cause I, cause I got, I'm going to lodge a complaint right now. It, it's time to lodge a complaint. You switching headsets? Oh, she's got a different headset on already. Okay. Okay. She's got a glow about her because Scream Six premieres it does. tonight. Is that true? That's where I'm there. going after this. Are you? Yeah, <laughs> straight from updates to go see Scream. So. So we have so we have we have updates today till four, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And then you're gonna be sitting out here with us tomorrow till four. Yes, I may be out here. I may be in the studio. But see, I'll I be moved her. <laughs> did you notice that? Did you notice that happened since <laughs> the break? That was a no, trick. That, I mean, I was. I, I moved her. I, I mean, I mean, five minutes ago you were going to be in studio. Yeah, hands down. And now you have swayed me a little bit. Okay. But in studio in comparison to look this, at this. Taylor? But it's showing rain at two tomorrow, and I do updates at one. So in my head, could be a little is, dreary. Yeah. Have you had fun out here today? I've had a blast. It's. I've been here since. I, don't, I think I got here around. 10:30-ish. Yeah. I forgot to give myself parking, so I had to shuffle this morning <laughs> to figure. As I was giving all of you your parking, yeah, I yeah. forgot myself. Um, so I had to kind of scramble this morning to figure that out. But I had a cousin's main lobster roll, yeah. and it was delicious. I'll th- I'll, here's the story: is uh, Steve, our GM, who's always good to us in this stuff, p- paid for all our lunches today. Yes. But the, with the, and Steve, thank you for that. It was very kind. Thank and you the so he, much. The way he does is he, he passes the card around. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't want that damn card. I I went and bought mine. I, I got that car, I got that card back to Ken Brady so fast it was burning a hole in my hand. I could I, I could turn that thing loose so fast that it was, we had a fun time. I would have been fine holding it all day. <laughs> I, uh, I, I couldn't get that thing out of my hand fast. I enough. also had cousins main lobster. I had the lobster quesadilla which comes with a crema sauce and pico de gallo and it was delicious. Oh my gosh, fantastic! I saw somebody eating because I was sitting there as I was waiting for everybody to show up. You're kind of sharing tables in that area if you're sitting alone, and I was sitting alone. So this group of five guys come over, and one had that quesadilla, and I was like, oh, that looks good, but I do want the roll at the same time. Uh, but that whole little area, the Taste of Jack's area, is really good because it has barbecue, the goat tapas is over yeah. there, and Cousins Silkies. Main and Silky. So yeah. you get a little combo of everything. Ken Brady ate twice. Does That's what that? I was about to say. Does I think he Griffin, had two or three lunches. Someone <laughs> told the boss that Ken Brady went back. He, he, we went, I'm Ken. telling you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bust him right now. He went back and ate I twice. I told Ken it was okay <laughs> because not everyone ate at right. Taste of Jack's on Steve's card. Not everyone made it over there. So I, th- I said it was totally Totally he made up for some other yes, people's lunch. Right. All I'm saying, he went right back in. Okay, I mean, he went right back in. So, Taylor, we're glad you're out here with us. Gibby's out here, too, so Gibby will be checking in in just a bit as well. Gibby will be doing updates. It's good to have Gibby out here on the road with us. Uh, That's right. And, uh, so, Gibby, how you doing? You're good, you're good over there? Good to see you. Doing great, doing great. Uh, it's a beautiful day. The sun has come out here at the Players. It was a little bit overcast yeah. earlier today, but, uh, yeah, beautiful day out here. All right, we'll talk some golf now in just a bit. We will, uh, we will uh, take a break, come back, give you an update on how everyone's doing on the golf course uh, that you might have been following. We'll update you on the basketball, although I think it's going to be Mississippi State moves on to play Alabama. I'll talk more about that Alabama situation. There was a terrific story today. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, uh, that, that really detailed all the things that happened uh, Brandon Miller's involvement and so much more and the young lady that, that, that was shot and killed involving members of the Alabama basketball team. At least they were there 
Uh, some of them were there. We'll certainly talk about that, all that coming up on the program today. So we're glad you're with us. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk some more Jaguars. A lot to do on a gorgeous, gorgeous Thursday at the Players. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Gators coming down to the wire, down by a point. Marvin Jones for the win. Missed it, and Mississippi State moves on. uh, The Gators took the lead with five seconds or about ten seconds ago. Mississippi State ran down the court and made a layup. And then the lead by one in overtime. Second year in a row, Florida's season ends in overtime. Marvin Jones had about a 30-footer at the buzzer, hit the back of the rim. The Florida season ends until the NIT. Mississippi State moves on to play Alabama tomorrow. Uh, 35 years ago today, the Joshua Tree uh, was released by U2, one of the classical albums, one of the best albums of all time in the rock era. And uh, that's why U2 today will be on Old Rock Thursday. So a lot happened right there. Florida, right. Florida got beat by, again, it was a, uh, Florida made a great steal to take the lead. Kugel stole it. They passed it to Niles Lane, who made a layup. But then Mississippi State rushed it back down. Florida's got a tiny team out there, only one guy over 6'5". And that was Alex Fudge, and he left the middle, left the guy wide open for a little bit of a layup. So uh, Mississippi State's a way better team. So they, they, they move on. Uh, they play Alabama and Florida's season until the NIT kind of mercifully ends. So there's that. For you basketball fans, uh, that was kind of quick and dirty. It was interesting. I'll say this. They were down five and came back to take the lead. They were down five with 30 seconds to play in overtime, took the lead, scored six straight. So uh, that didn't get you a whole lot, but that's what happened. You can never count a Todd no, Golden team. No, you really can't. You really can't. What a, what a, they finished. Not, they will be in the NIT, but they finished the regular season 16-16. and 16. If they lose their first-round NIT game, they will finish under 500. For the second time in 35 years. But won't they basically be playing a team in the first round of the NIT that can, like, barely dribble? You would think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So they'll finish 500 yeah. or worse. Yeah. So, so they're, they, in all likelihood, they will not finish under 500 for the season. But if the team that can barely dribble beats them, right. it'll be their second. Under, they, were, they were under 500 Billy Donovan's last year, 15-16. And, uh, or 14-15 maybe it was. And before that, they had not had a losing season since Billy's second year, which was 97. So that's how long it's been. And uh, it's a really tough year for the Gators this year. So uh, basketball ends for now uh, for the Florida basketball team. Uh, let's get to golf. You know by now, Chad Ramey is the leader. He uh, is eight under par. Again, I watched him some. Did you watch him for a while today, Lauren, you said? I watched him just 16, 17. Okay, okay. So I, we, we watched him for a while. And he was uh, – I watched him on 15, 14, I think, through 18. We watched him. He uh, – He's playing pretty well now. I mean, he, this guy, oh, yeah. he's, he's legit. Eight under par. Colin Morikawa, you, you've heard Taylor's updates, is second. Uh, seven under, then there's a bunch of guys uh, uh, lumped in there together. How did our guys and Loser Monday do, Lauren? Give us an update. Well, Scotty Scheffler right now is in the clubhouse at four under. That's your selection, Frank, so yep. you should feel pretty good. Think I'm okay. After the first round, and then obviously he'll tee off uh, the afternoon tomorrow. Uh, John Rahm currently is one under. That would be Andrew Gibson's selection. He is also in the right. clubhouse. Uh, so fairly well for Rom, like Hayes said earlier. That group was kind of, other than McElroy, uh, Scheffler and Rom were kind of 
just kind of playing, I feel like, yeah. calm golf. Like, right. they nothing was bold whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, and so certainly uh, McElroy, though, having a tough day. He's also in the clubhouse. He's at four over. That would be Reimer's selection. Uh, Jason Day, Hayes' selection is a one under. He is through 10, so he is doing very well. And then Justin Thomas is even through eight. That would be my guy. Uh, Justin Thomas started off well and then double bogeyed, and now he's back to even. So, so he eagled the second. He did. He eagled the yeah. second. Yeah. And We've had a couple different or multiple – opportunities for eagle out here but he's the only one i believe who's come through so far yeah he has the longest active cut streak of any player in the field justin thomas he's made it seven straight years 2015 uh was the start of that and uh a anyway so this is uh this is a course that he knows very well so to see him get an eagle early on not at all surprising so again um my guys four under uh gibby's guys one under um hayes's guys one under through ten Lauren's guys even through eight, and uh, not a good day for Chris Reimer, who will join us in about 35 minutes. He was sulking a little bit in the media center. Was he? Was he? He was sulking. He'll sulk, too. Yeah. I enjoy sulking, he, he, uh, he uh, Just to give you a preview of the whining, Yeah, uh, Love the, it. the Love first it. thing he said is, all week I've wanted Victor Hovland. Yeah. All week I've said Victor <laughs> Hovland is there. my guy. But he was like, I never dreamed Rory would be there at five. Yeah. And so when he was there, I was like, i got to take Rory. Yeah, let me tell you something. Loser Monday can be – Painful. It's, Loser money is oh, not easy. It's diabolical. I mean, Hovland I mean, is even through nine. See, just I mean, FYI. And, again, and is that better than four <laughs> over? <laughs> <laughs> that is. But Loser Monday will do that to you. Loser <laughs> Monday will taunt you. It tortures it will, you. It will, it will, it will, it'll bait you into a pick. It I will. mean, Loser Monday baited him into that pick. It absolutely did, and uh, I know my parents are going to come out here tomorrow. I told them to stay far away from Justin Thomas. <laughs> Don't jinx him. Don't just stay away from him, okay? Please, I'm just kidding. I didn't tell them that. So, lose, so, so, so that is exactly what hap what wound up happening out here. So, so, so we do have it now. So those are the scores of our players. Lauren, your impression of, of anything else stand out to you on day one of the uh, the tournament today? Yeah, I mean, I think the course, as we talked about yesterday, is always a star. It really is today. I mean, to have someone named Chad Ramey atop the leaderboard, it's not who's necessarily playing – or it's not the best golfer, it's who's playing the best golf, and, and certainly Ramey and Morikawa are. I think you have some, Frank, what I noticed around here, you have some serious golf fans on this golf course. I'll watch, you know, the Waste Management, Phoenix Open, or, you know, other things that are not majors, and you've got so many people who are just kind of milling about and having a good time. Out here, I mean, you watched earlier this morning, Rom, it's like 10 deep. Everybody knows exactly who they want to watch. A lot of people obviously following the golfers. Uh, it's It's a just a spectacular day and and i just appreciate how many people like seriously watch golf out here that's a great point because i was watching the espn plus broadcast mm -hmm. of uh the uh scheffler rom mcelroy uh group and they talked at length and, and again they started at 756 yep. they talked from the start all the way through of what a great crowd was out there following these guys on a thursday and uh, and again it's the top three players in the world but to your point, uh, it was noticed nationally on the broadcast of, of what a great crowd that, uh, that was following uh, that tremendous uh, group this morning. I would suggest this has got to be among the really good Thursday crowds they've had. Now, they always have good Thursday crowds. This isn't new. But I would suggest this is high on the list of Thursday crowds. It was packed out here. And, again, the whole March-May conversation, we've had it forever. Look, out here today, it was – perfect weather you know what perfect weather is when about half the people have on shorts and about half the people have on long pants and jackets you know that nobody was cold nobody was hot it was about the perfect weather i think the high was about 68 today 
It's probably about 65 now, 66 now, uh, thereabouts, maybe a little bit higher than that. Uh, tomorrow, Do you want the chief meteorologist to weigh in? Yes, please, chief meteorologist. <laughs> it is currently 71 degrees. Oh, it is. Okay, so it's higher. But and what's it going to, chief meteorologist? So this is the high currently, and then it'll drop to 59 tonight, and then tomorrow is the only time that we have a little bit of rain in the forecast. And also a warmer day tomorrow. It, yes, tomorrow the high is 80. So if you're coming out, I would say shorts, yeah. but also pack your rain jacket. Yeah, I would say shorts and a rain jacket. What's tomorrow. the dew point tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can tell you. You know, you, you know what? <laughs> Do you know what's going to cause the weather tomorrow? Uh, pressure drop. Know what else? Uh, the dew point is 54 right now. Hayes. All right, very good. <laughs> Cumulus nimbus clouds. That's right. Okay, in case you didn't know that or not. You know that? Yeah. What about the cirrus clouds right now? Uh, listen, I went, I, went cum- I went cumulus nimbus. <laughs> yeah, don't always, she looked that up because I said cumulus nimbus. No, yesterday. I did don't, not. Don't kid yourself, okay? I, have, I don't even have a device on <laughs> other than to look at the golf. All right, um, other thoughts about the golf. I don't think, I don't think Rory's done, by the way. I will kid Chris no. Reimer today. But the beauty of this golf course is when you're a great player, you can score your way back into this thing. My guess is Rory goes – I don't know if he's going to compete to win the tournament, but my guess is Rory goes very low tomorrow. Well, yeah, and, I mean, again, he shoots 68 tomorrow. He's probably going to make the cut and be okay. So, And he certainly has that in him. So, uh, yeah, you can't count Rory McIlroy out of this yet. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a bad first day. But that doesn't mean that he can't put together three spectacular rounds and, and get right back in it. So, uh, no, way too early to write him off. But, but a really disappointing day and a weird day for Rory because he was errant off the tee. But it, it didn't feel like from watching him that, wow, this is like the worst I've ever seen him play or, boy, he's got nothing. I mean, there were moments where you felt like, okay, here it comes. Rory's getting ready to rally. And uh, it, it just it – just, he just was never able to get there for whatever reason. But it doesn't feel like from watching him today that, oh, boy, he's not, he's not close. I mean, it, it, it feels like with a couple bounces here and there uh, and, and some better uh, play off the tee that absolutely he could put up that 68 or better tomorrow that'll, uh, that'll get him into the weekend. Because I would imagine the cut will come in at even. That traditionally has been where, where it comes in at. Yeah, he had a few different times where he had putts for birdies, where he did, and he just couldn't sink them. And, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly see tomorrow. It, Frank, to me, right now, if you're, I think, anywhere in the three under and above, you feel like, all right, I'm going to go out there tomorrow and I'm, I'm going to win this thing. Like, that's how I think that group of – and that's a lot of people, a lot of golfers, but I think that's how they feel right now. Let me go through some uh, names of guys that are under par, familiar names. Obviously, we told you know by now, Ramey leads it. You know, Maura Cower, one of the better player on tour, players on tour, uh, shot seven under today. Uh, other guys of note, uh, Lauren told you Scotty Scheffler was at minus four, one of the better players in the world. Um, Siwoo Kim came in at three under names you would know the guy you used to always pick justin rose also three under justin rose three under john rom is one under par uh names of note jason day uh hayes's pick one under par through 10 keep an eye on that one for sure um i'm trying to find other names keegan bradley is one under now he just got out to the golf course so is matt kuchar and matt kuchar's a name to know certainly so some of those guys so there's some names there weren't a lot of guys uh that were that were shockingly bad other than uh, Rory McIlroy and Roy, you know, I wonder too about Rory. Maybe one of you guys said this when we talk about picking him or not picking him the other day. Yeah, it was Gibby. You, you, Gibby, you made, made the, I think Gibby, you made the Gibby, Gibby put your headset on there. Gibby might have made the point that one reason to pass on on McElroy is that he just had a lot of stuff. He, he's in the news a lot. He's become the spokesperson for 
tour versus live and and maybe that's taken away from his game a little bit i think that was your reason for passing on it it was i listened to his press conference that he had earlier this week and he was talking about how many hours he spent on the board uh, trying to figure out uh, their you know opponent with live and the other tour and and all the changes they're making as far as 2024 so so many hours off the golf course and maybe that's taken his mind off of it a little bit yeah certainly could have so so those are some of the scores and we'll continue to update you uh, as the uh, day goes along, if there's any scores of note. By the way, Shoffley and Zalatoris, I thought they are guys that would have played well yeah. three over also. Yeah, really? Yeah. Both of them? Both yeah. of them are three over. Yeah. Interesting. That yeah. Is, yeah cause now, they're not done. They're through nine. Yeah. Who else did you guys consider? To, I will tell you, Max Homa I considered. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was going to take – Cantley, I think you said. Cantley I considered and the guy I took. Who else did you guys consider? I mean, you, you, you went right after Jason Day. You, you, like you, were gonna, you knew no one else was going to take him. So you were right. taking Jason Day, weren't you? Yeah, I was pretty locked in on Jason Day. And, and, again, we'll see what ends up happening with it. But I just, you know, he'd had four top tens in the last, like, five weeks. He's obviously – he's won this event before. And I've always thought he's a great player. It's just, when is he going to be healthy? But whenever Jason Day gets his game back, he's unbelievably talented. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, obviously you guys – you know, I mean, I none of the picks you guys made you could you could have an issue with. I mean, you took, you know, the top three players in the world, and then Justin Thomas, who just recently won here in 2021. So I mean, all those were were good. But I knew that since I knew Jason Day would be there at three, I didn't really think too much about building a board. If that yeah, makes sense. truth be told, I I had a feeling Gibby was going with Rom, and I figured either Rom or Rory, but kind of thought Rom. And I was like, Justin Thomas will be there. It's fairly easy for me. You didn't consider you didn't consider Scheffler because he because he hurt you. It's not so much that he hurt me; it's that he, he hasn't you. played here that often. Yeah. And Justin Thomas, like like Hayes said, although I think he was trying to jinx me, uh, has been so incredibly <laughs> yeah. consistent here, and, and so yeah. many uh, made cuts. Justin Thomas has the lowest average; it's seventy point three five of any player with a minimum of fifteen rounds here. The lowest average in a career. Yeah, he owns this course. Justin Thomas isn't going to come out here and play badly. What? Uh, if you were picking a winner, who would you have picked? I t- Justin Thomas, and he might win this event by nine shots. <laughs> who would you have picked a winner? To win Justin, it, yeah. I, I probably would have gone with either Max Homa, which is surprising, uh, or Rom. How about you, Gibby? Give, give, if, if you were trying to pick a winner, who would you? If you were trying to pick someone to win the golf tournament, who would you have picked? Um, I would have gone with Rom. I think yeah. Rom is just playing on a terrific yeah. level right now. I, I would have gone with Rom. Rom or Scheffler for me. I, I would have picked Rom. If I was picking a winner, I would pick Robert Scheffler. Let's take a break. When we come back, other things to talk about. I want to get into the uh, Brian Baldinger tweet on Calvin Ridley. I got a thought or two about him, and it's been kind of Calvin Ridley week around here. I want to talk more about the, the ESPN.com story on the Alabama basketball players' involvement in that fatal shooting. Uh, we'll tell you more about the golf going on. A lot to get to. Glad you're with us on a Thursday. And Old Rock Thursday. You too on Old Rock Thursday. And always a Stanley Pools Thursday. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an Old Rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Welcome back to the Frangie Show live here at the Players. You two on Old Rock Thursday. What a just a gorgeous day 
out here at the Players' Championship. We are live from Sawgrass Square. All right, Frank, Brian Baldinger tweeted out yesterday, let's remind the world what this receiver, of course, talking about Calvin Ridley, was once doing to defenses on a weekly basis. We, uh, not we, me, I probably didn't watch Ridley enough. I mean, I don't play fantasy. You well, know, they were never on. Yeah, and they weren't yeah, on TV. I mean, they were but I, but I probably wasn't as cognizant, and the Jags never play them, okay? Right. It's not an AFC team, so obviously not a division team. So I probably didn't do a good enough job of looking at how refined he is. I knew he was fast and explosive, has very good hands. And I heard people, Hayes, use the phrase route runner enough the last two or three days that enough people that I respect use that phrase, you among them, that I knew he would be a good route runner. But I, I need to go back and watch more video because the video Baldinger put out, and he's really good at that, by the way, because mm-hmm. he knows the game so well. But the how refined he is, how polished he is. Explosive, I expected, right? Um, whoo, he's pretty to watch. Uh, in conjunction with these, because Christian Kirk is very refined. Zay Jones is very refined. Uh, man, oh, man, what, what, what this can be. I, maybe I, un- I underestimated in my mind, and, and I'm, I'm telling people I'm guilty of this. I, I'm guilty of not appreciating what, what they might have had when Calvin Ridley finally was available. Ooh. I didn't realize how fluid he is uh, until the trade was made and you know, really diving in on it. Baldinger picked some great clips to show. It was probably three, cl- three or four clips in the, in the video. Um, but he's just so agile, and, and he's, so, he's almost like Percy Harvin in the sense of how well he moves in and out of his breaks. Uh, but I think, he, obviously, he's – with Harvin, it was more stop-start. It, uh, it, right. it was exceptional, even at the NFL level. He just had migraine headaches, or he'd have been a star. Um, but, but with Ridley, it's almost like he's able to do that on every movement. He doesn't. I, he's not like necessarily a blazer, but he's so loose in how he moves, and so, I mean, just incredible agility for how he's able to take turns at such a high speed. And and yeah, it was if you want to get fired up, watch this video. <laughs> I mean, but again, Ridley's got a lot of highlight highlights like that. I mean, again, I I want to say he's he's got. I think he averages a touchdown catch on like every nine career receptions or something like that for a guy that's not built like Randy Moss or Megatron. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And it speaks to uh, his ability and, and, and how well he can get in and out of his cuts and defensive backs. Just, I mean, it's just, it's a rare quality that they're not, even at this level, they're not going to be able to keep up with as often as, as you need to slow him down. Yeah, I went and watched that thing like five times, Baldinger's videos, because I, I love it so much. I did too. I mean, it is when someone is really good at something, it's so fun to watch. And so Calvin Ridley running a route and the precise steps that he takes, and, and like you said, his fluid, like, you know, if you're evaluating tape, you'd be like, okay, well, his hips did exactly what they needed to do, at, you know, at every turn. That's what NFL people look for when evaluating receivers. And my goodness, to, to get him here now, it's like, well, no wonder he said he's going to get 400 yards of Trevor Lawrence who can sling it all over the place. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I watched it and I watched it and I watched it and I and again I just I just missed it. And so I would describe him as a stop and start guy, not quite as jerky as Percy Harvin. 
Harvin. Um, I think Christian Kirk's a guy that that certainly knows how to work the middle of the field about as well as any receiver. Uh, I mean, really, he's Cooper Cup-like in terms of working the middle of the field and finding finding holes there. Um, Evan Ingram's got the matchup problems, and I, and I think Zay Jones is a pretty good vertical route runner. If everybody's healthy, I can't imagine how much more you need to add to that. Maybe you do add a tight end if uh, if Manhurts isn't back, but and, and, and someone's got to be the fourth and fifth receiver because people get hurt. But I can't imagine there's much more to build there, boy. Yeah, and that's why, again, trading for DeAndre Hopkins or anything like that, it's not going to happen. It doesn't need to happen. I, I think if the right receiver were to fall to 24, uh, if Jordan Addison is there at 24, I could certainly justify them taking a receiver. They are eventually going to have to invest in that position. You can't just rely on free agents. Uh, so you've got to start building some homegrown talent on reasonable contracts. Uh, so, again, if the board fell – if there was a couple players on the board at, let's say, corner or pass rush that they felt like were gone, uh, Addison's there, as we saw in uh, one of them. I think it was uh, Brugler uh, had Addison available. Um, you know, that would make sense. But in terms of adding any sort of veteran – no, they're, they're perfect at receiver if everybody is healthy. I mean, with Ridley, Kirk, Zay Jones, uh, Jamal Agnew, who I'm, I still think there's upside with Jamal Agnew mm-hmm. as a receiver, and certainly he's a fantastic returner. You might like to see a, a, a contract extension there to get his cap number down from $5 million to a, to a little bit lower. But, uh, you know, and then they'll have their fifth, sixth. That'll be a battle uh, as we go through it. And obviously if they draft somebody, that – you know, that will be the fifth receiver. But um, they're in a great position at receiver. They just are – eventually the bill is going to come due in terms of – That's you, right. You can't just not ever draft receivers. At some point you're going to have to start investing in this position. And if they don't do it with this draft, then uh, it's, it's going to create, a, I think, a, a tough 2024 potentially because – this could be Zay Jones last year. Calvin Ridley's, you know, going to be up whether they want to tag him, extend him, or let him test the market. And Christian Kirk's number is going to be awfully high. I saw James Palmer, I think it was, that Rotor said that maybe the Jags have created this template that the way you – the best way to help these young quarterbacks is just bring in veteran receivers. And, again, it was immeasurable what all three of those guys coming together last year, I mean, arriving in town together, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram all came in together. And, it, I mean, how often does anything you try work that well, right? I mean, Not I mean, often. It, not, not that well. Not that when well. I think of veteran presence, too, of Marvin Jones, you know, yes, Christian Kirk was a veteran player, but I don't know that he'd ever been tasked with being the leader of the wide receiver group in Arizona. And so having Marvin Jones Jr. here, I think, was able to kind of help lead Christian Kirk into that leadership role or yeah. ease him into that leadership role, I should so say. So it's going to be – I would say as the Jags – we won't talk <coughs> as much Jags today. We're out of the golf tournament. It's basketball time of year. But I would say as we continue to talk Jags, next year or next week is free agency beginning with the legal tampering Monday and Tuesday. I would say the only major story now, other than them signing someone we didn't expect, and I'm not saying Arden Key isn't major, but I would say the only story of sign- real significance, I think, next week or is, is Juwan Taylor. I say next week. I mean, because cause that thing's got a lot of that – that, that, there's some sidebars to that. There's number one, do they sign Juwan Taylor? Um, if they don't, do they 
now go sign somebody in free agency to be the swing tackler to compete with Walker Jones, uh, Walker Little, or do they, or do they draft a guy at twenty four? Right. I mean, the the side, Juwan Taylor, and if they don't sign him, the sidebars that come with it. That's really the only major story of significance, I think, as we move forward in this this period. I think so because I I think if you don't sign Arden Key, there's there, there's a couple of options you can go there. You can obviously pursue another free agent pass rusher on an economical deal that's a, a you know B level player, uh, or you could prioritize Dewan Smoot. I mean they should have a very good idea how his recovery is going. Uh, it seemed like the reports from the combine were pretty good, so. Uh, Dewan Smoot is somebody that perhaps could uh, come back that, that could help in that reserve role. Uh, but it'll, it'll be offensive line. It'll be right tackle. You know, what, what is the plan? They do have the in-house option in Walker Little, but it would not be at all surprising to see them at, at 24 or in the second round uh, continue to fortify that position. Uh, again, you've got Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract. Take advantage of it. Protect him. Invest in your offensive line. All Frank, right. have you noticed, by the way, how many Jaguars hats and shirts you've seen out here? And, and I, that, I will say, in the past, at least the past few good years, point. has not been a thing. Yeah, good point. I agree with you. They're everywhere, and I think that's just going to grow and grow and grow. Mm-hmm. I love it. Love it. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, Chris Reimer joins us. How did Reimer's guy do? Do you know? Uh, I haven't even looked at scores. Who did he pick? I, I don't, I don't even. Do you know who Reimer picked? Well, he had, it had to do. He, picked, he had it had to be good because he, he always picked, wins. Uh, he picked McElroy. Yeah, he must have he's won he, this event. Four or five under. Where, where's McElroy? Did he, did he play well? I don't know. Uh, you know, I got to check those scores. She's not even going to participate. Look at Lauren Brooks. She's look at Lauren. She's so nice. She's not even going to remotely try to get in on this. For fear uh, of jinxing her guy. Uh, we'll take a break. Chris Reimer joins us. We'll talk about our picks. Uh, we'll also talk about how the course played today. Chris's impressions after day one. Rhyme time is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Old Rock Thursday is U2 today. We're live at the Players' Championship on a Stanley Pools Thursday. 35 years ago today, Joshua Tree was released, one of the great rock albums of all time. Frangie Carline, Lauren Brooks with you, Andrew Gibson out here on location with us as well. Rhyme time is here. Chris Reimer's here. How's your pick doing? With or without you. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played. He, uh, he was uh, sort of uh, playing in mysterious ways today, Chris yeah, Reimer. So, well, very nice again. So, if I remember the conversation way back when, Yesterday, I think you told us you were committed to Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland is in every other pool I'm in. Yeah, and you, and yet somehow, can you for the listeners now who care, uh, can you explain what happened? I did not expect Rory McIlroy to drop to me. When that happened, my heart, with all that he's done for the PGA Tour, <laughs> with what he's represented, right. my right. heart took over. And yeah. as we know, that typically leads to bad decisions. <laughs> loser Monday will do that to you. Yeah. Loser Loser Monday takes yep. no prisoners, okay? Loser Monday. I'm not will, giving up. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's not Nor over. Nor should you. It's not, it's not over. you got a lot of time he left. He triple bogeyed the first hole at the Tour Championship, and he still won the thing. We're, we're you know, bad bad round one. Yeah. But we're going to come back. We're going to make the cut, and then we're going to make some things happen. Oh, you, you're just trying to finish fourth in this thing, Stupid right? Stupid right. Jason Day is going to fall flat on his face. <laughs> now you wish you had actually walked around the practice <laughs> round yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> See? I would have taken Chad, Re- Chad Ramey. Yeah. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, what, what were your overall impressions today? And I know we're not done, but what, what, what jumped out at you? First impression is I got here early because I wanted to watch that group. Yeah. And 
really impressive crowds at 8 a.m. on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was really cool to see, you know, this community come out and support the event. Um, you know, I thought that group played decent golf, and I think Scotty had a, a really good kind of quiet round, if that makes sense, for him to be four under. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest impressions I had is, is for the last two years, I've been saying that this is a Morikawa course. It's a ball striker, get the ball in the fairway, great iron golf course, and if you're that player, you should play well here. And he hasn't, and so it kind of he faded away from a lot of people picking him. Um, and today he showed kind of why people thought this would be a good match for him. He is a complete player. I think the one thing that's held him back is putting. But if you can get the ball in the right area on the greens here, get it in the right side of the fairway, Putting is less important on this course than maybe it is at U.S. Opens or at Augusta or other places like that. So I think, I think a lot of us finally saw what we thought we would see from from Colin Morikawa today. And, and getting back to Roy because he's the most, arguably yeah. the most popular golfer out here. Uh, it didn't feel like from watching him that it's like, oh my gosh, he's nowhere close. It just felt like Aaron off the tee. Uh, but it, it it didn't feel like to me this is somebody. Like, he had one performance here at the Players where he wasn't even – I don't even think he mentally right. arrived. Shot like 80-something, 80-something yeah. or something like um, that, yeah. But, like, today it felt like it was kind of there, just not really his day. Uh, do you get a sense that – and I'm not saying this because of the bet or anything, but just because people care so much about Rory McIlroy, it, it, it felt like watching him today that absolutely he can go out there tomorrow. What would you think magic number, 68? Yeah. I think I mean, so. I think you battle back to even two under somewhere around there, then you're probably okay. Um, there are not a lot of low scores this afternoon. Um, right. I think, to your point, what this golf course does is if you have one weakness, it exposes it really fast. And his weakness today was the driver, which is normally a strength. He was off. He didn't hit many fairways. And the way that this rough is, you aren't going to birdie a lot of these holes from the rough. You just aren't going to do that. And so – um, if he gets that figured out. Um, now, it's going to be tough because tomorrow he's in the afternoon round, and that's typically the afternoon plays a little tougher than the morning does here, as we're seeing today. But um, if he gets the driver figured out, he could absolutely go shoot four, five, six under par. Um, but he's going to have to get that. You are, he's not going to be able to do that if he can't find a fairway. Chris, what should people know about Chad Ramey or Taylor Pendrick? It's funny because I was looking that up before I sat down because I knew <laughs> absolutely nothing about him. But here is here is Chad's season so far. Okay. Miscut, 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 70, 54, 38, miscut, 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 69, 28, miscut, miscut. So we all knew he was right. going to do this. <laughs> and then I looked up a couple tweets about Chad just to see if maybe there's some good personal information. This is from Joe Beal at golf.com. Right. Chad Ramey's beard is majestic, the love child of a just-for-men model and a Civil War general. <laughs> um, and then from uh, uh, Shane Bacon with Golf Channel's NBC, Chad Ramey. Ramey's beard is elite. Perfect facial hair distribution. Mustache securely attached to the goatee area. The golden boy of beards. So that's all I can tell you. <laughs> so there's all that. He's got yeah. a good beard. Uh, he, is, um, he is a first-timer this year. Um, he's one and of a first-timer th- still never won. One of the 32 first-timers. Um, it is the uh, lowest opening round since 2016. And his second... 18-hole lead or co-lead on tour. So He had eight uh, birdies, no bogeys, and yeah. I think you said since 2016. Was that Matsuyama? With the, uh, Jason no, Day. Mat, that's right. Matsuyama said it I, in 2020 yeah. it does, with a 63, but it, it doesn't, doesn't count, yeah, which and they is, should correct. count which it. I wish they would count it. Yeah, they I count think that he had the round. So, correct. And what, is he his fault that a pandemic broke out? Right. Yeah, right. no. Yeah. It right. should be since so, 2020. So, so, Chris, and so I walked with him 
about five holes. Yeah, fourteen through through eighteen uh, with Raven because he was playing well. And I will tell you, I've done that enough with players I didn't know because I'm curious. Dude, he was patient. His tempo, he didn't seem spooked by it. Now, I know it's day one in the morning. I yeah. get that. But, I, I mean, so, I, so I'm thinking, okay, I'm watching with these guys. I said, okay, let's see what happens on 17, okay? He walked up to 17 and hit it to about two and a half feet. Tempo was fine, went in there and tapped it in. 18, hit it in the middle of the fairway. Wasn't a great approach shot because he didn't get up on the ledge. He looked like a guy that, that has been here 20 years. Now, is that just today's player? I mean, you know it way better than I do. I mean, is that just, that's just these guys are that good that they're that calm now? I wish I could remember the player that said it. I think it was Furyk, but I'm not 100% sure. But it was one of my first years on tour, and it was in a press conference, and somebody asked uh, the player, who's the most underrated player on tour? And he said, I'm going to give you two names. One is Tiger Woods, because none of you guys understand how good he is. And the other is whoever is 125th. Yeah. Whoever's the number great, 125 great on the, on the you know, barely gets his card. 125 in the NFL is the third, fourth best player on his team. It's a household name. Right. 125 in golf, you walk into Publix, you don't know who right. Chad Rainey is. Great point. And it's, the, it's, a, it's an international game. It's a world game. It's not just the U.S. Yeah. Is, you know, top players in the world are here, and they're so good. And so um, it's a great point. You know, I think – I think that's a fair assessment to say it was poised and it was good and I, tempo. I walked with him for I walked with him for an hour. Let's see how that is on Saturday in the final round. You know, right. in, in the final group with all the cameras and the crowds around. Yeah. He may still have it and he may still be great because I think what people don't understand is just how good. When they say this is the deepest field in golf as opposed to the strongest field in golf, when you go to the PGA Championship – they have the top 100 players in the world, but then they also have club pros. Right. You go to the U.S. Open, and there's players that qualified. You go to the Masters, and, and you know, Larry Mize is there right. as a defending champion. The last player in the field here can win the event every year, is good enough to win the event. And that's what, that's what the deepest field in golf does, is you come out here and you watch a Chad Ramey, who none of us have really ever heard of, right. and it's amazing how freaking good at golf he is. What are your thoughts on the other uh, big-time pairing, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Max Homa? They're obviously, they still have probably eight, nine holes left, but yeah. what are your early thoughts? Of- uh, you know, Jordan and Justin are doing Jordan and Justin things. I think they're hanging around one under, and they're, you know, hitting some incredible chip-ins, and they're making putts, and they're hitting some wild shots. I think Homa's struggling. I think he's several over. And I think, so Homa owns California. He grew up in the West Coast. He's won Riviera. He won farmers at Torrey Pines. He's won the Fortinet, which is up in Northern California. I would say he's your early favorite to win the U.S. Open at LACC. It takes those guys a little while to learn Florida. And it's the same thing the other way around. When, when Florida guys go over there and they have to chip on you know, the, the grass there and they have to putt on Poana, it takes them a little while to learn. So that, that would be my guess about Homa because this is a course that should fit his game. He's kind of that all-around guy, nothing brilliant but everything really good. Um, so, you know, we'll see how long it kind of takes him to figure it out. Um, I think anybody in the afternoon who finishes under par, you have that quick turn. You come out here in the morning, calm conditions. You have a chance to make a good run if you can get to two, three, four under par. Unless your name's Jason Day, then you're going to crap the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I finally watched the uh, Full Swing episode with Joel Damon. And what I loved about it, not just his personality, but what I loved about it is that relationship with his caddy. Yeah. 
are all of the relationships between golfer and caddy no. that strong? Okay. No. I mean, they are, yeah, they are, they are extreme. Now, some are, but not all of them. I mean, they are close, close friends, and you can tell and absolutely love each other. And, and you know, there are some relationships like that, but they are, uh, they're a little bit different of a, different of a relationship with those two. Because I love how honest his caddy can be with him. Yeah. Like, that is fantastic. Not yeah. everyone can take that kind of constructive Correct. criticism, though. Yeah. But he's also, like, way too critical of himself. Like, right. if you haven't seen Full Swing on Netflix, you should definitely check it out. He he talks about how he's not good the whole time mm-hmm. and that he'll never win a major. And he just way more self-deprecating than he should be because he is talented enough and he is good enough and he needs to believe a little bit more of that. But they have a great relationship. And I think his caddy, Gino, is a really good follow on, on Twitter, um, can give him a lot of crap and, and uh, make fun of him. And it's funny. And, and it works out because they're good friends. Uh, final thing, All right, looking ahead to tomorrow. For people listening now, um, what to watch. Friday's a, kind of the party day out here for the fans. Yep. Weather's going to be nice in the day. could rain in the afternoon. I think that's the one, could be the one time that looked like it, we may have some weather. Um, who to watch tomorrow? Who may make a, Obviously, Rory could play better, but you give fans listening driving home now something to watch tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, the afternoon round has that Morikawa group, so he'll be teeing off in the afternoon, which um, I think, you know, He's a top player in the world, and if you get a chance to watch him with irons, it's like watching an artist. He is his. Um, there was a, a when he went out and was testing a TaylorMade when he first turned pro. His five irons were the same kind of dispersion around the hole as most people's pitching wedges. Like he's wow. that good wow. with his irons, and if he his putting has always been is what kind of kept him you know kept them away. I think if you can get out here early. You know, go out and follow that Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth group. Mm-hmm. Go out and find those things. I think, um, to me, this leaderboard is very similar to what we always get from the players' leaderboards. There's two or three top players that are in and around the lead. See what Scotty Scheffler does. See what John Rahm does. He's under par. He'll put himself. And then there's always some of these other names and that we maybe haven't heard of, and it's fun to watch how they react. How, to your point, Chad had a – Low tempo red. I, I don't know how many people were following him when you followed. You're right. Him, not, but it probably not, wasn't not, a ton. Not many. Not so many. what does he do when he sleeps on the lead, and and what does he do in round two um, to follow that up? And and that'll tell us a little bit of okay, if he comes out tomorrow and he shoots four under, okay, well then maybe he's ready for the spotlight. And then the other thing would just be on that hill by 17. It, Three, four o'clock tomorrow. It's that's one, what you do. It's one of the best scenes. Yeah. Everybody gets off of work early, and you yes. go to the hill, and you watch the tee shot at 18, and you you place your dollar bets on who's closest to the pin at 17. I thought it was quarter bets. We yeah. improved well, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went out on my own. I make more money now. So. <laughs> um, but but I think that's if you're in Jacksonville, that's part of being a Jacksonville totally is agree. going right. out well there and said. being on that hill on a Friday. Friday afternoon, go to the hill. That is exactly right. Yeah. So you're exactly right. Chris Ryman, that's rhyme time. Tomorrow at 4 o'clock, we'll uh, check back in. We'll look at the day Love Thanks, buddy. We right. Thanks, fellas. Back in a moment. This is 1010 XL, 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. Thirty-five years ago today, Joshua Tree was released. Many of these songs, though, you're hearing today are on Joshua Tree, but not all of them. It's U2 on Old Rock Thursday, my buddy Rick Ballou's favorite band by a wide margin, and they are on Old Rock Thursday today. So we're giving you, I think, three or four of the songs, three or four of the eight are on Joshua Tree that we're playing today. It's a great one, a classic album, one of the great albums, oh, yeah. really one of the great albums of in the rock era, probably a top ten rock era album by 
Rolling Stone in most accounts. It's that good of an album. I'm not a U2 fan, but I respect. It's one of those bands that like Led Zeppelin. I'm not a Zeppelin fan, but I respect that they're one of the great rock bands of all time. Uh, Frangie and Carly and Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you, uh, Dylan Denmark, making it all happen back at World Headquarters. So there's a story on ESPN today, ESPN.com, all about the uh, taking you behind the scenes in the Alabama uh, basketball thing. Did you read it? I did. Okay. Did you read it, Lauren? Mm-hmm. And hey, you, it was interesting. You were asking me kind of what did I glean from it because we're, it, 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 it was very detailed, but it kind of went all over the place. Right. It was. It you was. Keep waiting for this big revelation. Yeah, and and I don't think a revelation that involved the Alabama guys. I didn't see that. What I took out of it was the sadness of it. Oh yeah. Is what I think happened was, it was macho. It was it was it was road rage at a bar, road rage on foot. It was, it was it. I I in in I kept waiting for a background that somebody had had it out with somebody else. What I took out of it was, that, two guys, not the basketball player guys, the 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 girlfriend, the boyfriend, of the young woman who was killed, and the friend of Darius Miles Davis, Davis and Johnson, the two guys. Either bumped into each other, one popped off to the other one, and that was it. They started jawing at each other. Both had guns. One got shot. I mean, that was it, there wasn't history. It wasn't a girlfriend thing. It wasn't a. It, it was it was two guys drinking, popped off to each other in the street. They machoed up to each other, and one shot the other one. I mean, one shot at the other one, and the girl was the collateral damage. How? What a sad, sad, sad story. Is that, was that your take from reading it? Yeah, just, I, I mean, you're sitting there reading this, like, is, was it, was, is it this senseless? Yes, yes. And, and it was. It was. It was some young people that drank too much tequila, and a, a really terrible thing occurred. Yeah, I, I mean, did you get that same take? I did, and, and here's the worst part is I think this happens somewhat often in our country, but we don't necessarily talk about it that often because it doesn't involve a men's basketball player who's one of the yeah. best on a team that's one of the best. And, and I just wonder if it happens to, and you're probably right, Lauren, but I wonder if it happens to that, to that end. I mean, this is, I mean, it was, it was two guys hanging out, two or three guys hanging out, and then at the end just two guys hanging out, and another guy and a girl hanging out with some other people, and one walked by and popped off to one. And the other guy popped off back. There's no indication that they even knew each other. Right. That they, that they just they just started jawing at each other in the streets in the street. I've been that's a not by the way. I've been to that strip in Tuscaloosa. I've been to the Houndstooth, which is where they parked. They didn't go there. It's a it's a cool little college area. Really cool on game on game weekends. And it was just some. They popped off to them, and they popped off back. And the next thing you know, it was who can be more macho? Let's go get our guns. And a young woman got a young woman who had nothing to do with it. I mean, nothing. It was her boyfriend involved in it, but a young woman who had nothing to do with it, with a beautiful five-year-old little boy, is shot and killed. Man, oh man, what a tragic story! I, I almost wish I had. You know, when these stories come out, we're dying to know more about them. We, mm-hmm. you want to know more. You want to know more. You want to know. I want to learn more about these stories because curiosity. We, we are. We're all just infested with this curiosity. But I almost wish I didn't know that it was really that senseless in a weird sort of way. I, I just, I so expected there was history and this guy, did, didn't you, did, and before reading that story, at least that's what I, that would have, I would have expected. Sure. And it's not that that makes it easier to deal with the, the tragic loss, but at least in our minds, it makes more sense. 
this is something where certainly no one who went out that night ever expected that someone would not wake up the next day. And I think, yes, the majority of times like this, it ends in a fight. You know, we talked about the former FSU player, DeAndre Johnson, was that his name, who got in the, the fight at the bar. DeAndre, DeAndre Johnson, that's yeah. right. And so like The first you, coast guy. Yeah, so like you hear about stuff like that involving football players or, or athletes, but it's usually a fight. Yeah. But, yes, there are times that it's so incredibly unfortunate, but it does end in gun violence. The other thing, the other aspect of the story, when I saw it, because it was like, all right, obviously they've poured a lot of resources into this, is is there going to be some revelation on Brandon Miller? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there really isn't. I mean, it, it. I would say the story helps Brandon Miller. I would too. Uh, so, um, you know, so that was interesting as well, because uh, obviously that will continue to be a massive storyline is Alabama, you know, pursues the national championship. Yeah. I mean, and that's almost good, I feel like. Like, it, it's harder, it's it's easier for us to watch Brandon Miller and, and Alabama have success, whether it be the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament, when you don't feel guilty watching him because he's not guilty. Yeah, and I will say this from reading the story. And the story was not trying to take any side. It was trying to, it really was. It's a long story now. The one thing I did take out of the story was that in Brandon Miller, in fairness to him, was not trying to bring anybody a gun. I, at least that was my take on the story. Is he wasn't trying to. He he went. He and one other teammate, and Miles and Miles's friend, this guy Davis, were all going to this bar together. They stood in the line. That Miller and maybe the, one of the other guys didn't want to wait in the line any longer. They said, "Screw it. We're going to go. We're going to go somewhere. We're going to go eat. You guys want to stay in the line? Knock yourself out. We'll come get you guys later." And left. And and that was the end of it until Miles called Miller and said, when are you coming to get us? And Miller came back to get them. Mm-hmm. And, and when he did, Miles went into the car and got all his stuff out of there, and part of the stuff was a gun. I do believe, and, and again, I, 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 I'm not an Alabama fan, or I, I don't love him, hate him, I don't care, but I do believe Brandon Miller was not a party to the violence that happened. I, I believe that story now. I believe that Brandon Miller... His buddy said, come pick me up, pick me up. So he went to pick him up like they had planned all along. And the next thing you know, and by the way, reading the story, it doesn't make, even though Darius Miles is going to go to jail for a long time, it doesn't make Darius Miles would not be the heavy in this if he hadn't have handed his gun to this guy Davis, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't look like he's the one that was trying to get in a fight. But he is. But we do know that he gave the gun to Davis. That would that, that we we do know that he handed the murder weapon to the murderer. We we do know that happened. Right. Yeah. It's it's just a, it's a story that it also makes me sad when you read things like, and it's no surprise, but people are screaming at Brandon Miller during games, guilty, and lock him up. Like, it, even though I understand why they're doing it, here's this kid who's been through this awful situation that he. I mean, honestly, I criticize Nate Oates for saying wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. But in the end, that's exactly what it was with Brandon Miller. He was in the absolute yeah. wrong place at the worst time. And now this kid has had to go through emotional trauma. Uh, the one positive part, I suppose, is he's been able to play really well through it. So it, it certainly hasn't affected his game. I know someone who's very close to Nate Oates. Mm-hmm. And that told me that, that, I mean, it went to college with him that was really close to him. And said that... Uh, you might not believe this because he's one of my really good friends, so I'm going to say it sounds like I'm defending him. But he's the last guy that would ever be part of this. Very spiritual guy. Um, 
very genuine guy. And he's coming out, and Nate Oates, through much of this, has come out of this thing looking like a mercenary, that all he cares about is winning. And I'm not going to – don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that I don't think winning is first and foremost in in a part of all this decision-making. I'd be lying if I said I don't think that's in play. But I also think there's probably a part of Nate Oates that in addition to the fact that he wants to keep this great player playing because he wants to win, I get it. But I all kind of got the sense that the other part of this is that he really does think this kid, Brandon Miller, had nothing to do with it. I mean, I really after reading this story today, I really do feel like – and this is easier for me to say now that he's an Alabama guy. If it was a Florida guy and I was saying this, it would sound like Frangie just taking up for his Gator guy. I have no interest in Alabama either way. But I just think reading the story, it seemed like Nate Oates really does think – that this guy, Brandon Miller, had nothing to do with that. He just happened to be the guy that had given Darius Miles a ride and was going to pick him up. Well, and again, the team of ESPN reporters that worked on this reviewed all the video evidence. I mean, this right. happened in a, in a popular area, to your point. So there's substantial video evidence that shows everything that Brandon Miller did. He right. never got out of his car. Right. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, this isn't just... It, there was a part of me early on that was like a little skeptical on Alabama and are they trying to protect this unbelievable right. player? And it, that's not the case. I mean, again, this, this team of journalists wouldn't go through the video and then Correct. write the story that they've written. If Obviously, my guess is they probably dove into this thinking, let's see if we can find something on Brandon Miller. That's probably right. And they couldn't. But they'd invested all this time in it, so they went ahead and wrote the story that isn't going to have any sort of splashy headlines other than their own website. But it's, I don't think this story is going to generate a ton of traction right. because there's no real revelation from it. I mean, Brandon Miller just basically was uh, you know, cleared from all the you know, you know, evidence that, that, was, uh, that was taken that night in yeah. terms of video surveillance. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know now hopefully maybe it, you know maybe this will help. Uh, it is unfair if, if for Alabama's program if uh, for this to hover over them. Right. If if really there of, of the guys that are on the team, if there was really no culpability, it is unfair. Yeah, and and, and the reason it's still out there or and may never go away for people that don't read the follow stories is story came out whether it's because of what the policeman said during testimony or whether the way someone wrote it, we all were given to believe that Miles called Miller and said, go get my gun and drive it to me and hand it to me. And we all believed that one day, and we're all trying to do the best we can to look at it, defend it, not defend it. I remember coming back the next day and talking about it again mm-hmm. after thinking about it. And, um, but I, I can tell you, I, 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 we were all given to believe that this is a guy that, that, that the one guy called the other guy and said, hey, go get my gun and bring my gun to me because I got somebody I got to shoot. And, that, that, and none of that was in play. And, and now, so, so, so in defense of Alabama, it's a good thing the story came out as well. Interesting story. All right, take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll update you on what's going on on the golf course. We're live at the Players' Championship of Stanley Pools Thursday. It continues in a moment on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music, the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. 
you too on old rock thursday always a stanley pools thursday here on the french shivering cringy hayes carline andrew gibson i'm lauren brooks live here at the players sawgrass square dylan denmark back at tenton xl headquarters spinning all the hits well you just heard in gibby's update there are, there is movement here at the players uh, and one jason day that would be hayes selection for loser monday but jason day now three under so certainly uh he is playing well but gentlemen uh, more though than golf updates i want to do i love going down memory lane so i want to hear your favorite players memories yeah there's there's i mean i, I could where do i start right I, uh, you get to start wherever you want. My favorite memory will always be 1988 um, on 18 when Mark McCumber was walking down that fairway um, from Jackson, from Lee High School, now it's Riverside High School, a Jacksonville guy, born and raised in Jacksonville, embraced by Jacksonville, at the time one of the best players in the world, walking down that fairway. And we had never had that. The course had only been open for about six years or so. And you looked across the water, you know, I mean, you know the water, the water, and across the water, there was a big banner that someone brought out that said Jacksonville's winner, Jacksonville's hero, and Mark looked at it, and the place was going crazy as he walked down the fairway, and I've had Mark on the air to talk about that, mm -hmm. and I don't know if I told you guys this before, but when I've had Mark on, I'm asking, I'm describing it, he would, he lived it, he said, Frank, I'm having trouble, he I'm having trouble not getting emotional when you talk about it. And so I think one of my moments, favorite moments was having Mark McCumber on to talk about that moment and being there to watch that and to, to see the emotion of it. I mean, I got a lot of moments from that. That one probably jumps off the page for me. And, Hayes, I've told that story many times. Mark McCumber walking down 18, emotional, trying to – he had won the tournament. Mm -hmm. Just trying to keep his emotions in check as he was about to win the Players' Championship and Jacksonville people were losing. I mean, I'm still talking about Jacksonville people. We are freaking great people. We love ours, okay? That's why we love the Jaguars the way we do. That's why JU going to the finals in 70 was such a big deal. We love ours as we should. We, we, we take pride in ours, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, we take freaking pride in ours. And that was our guy. And walking down there, and to me, I get emotional even thinking about it. It was 1988, for God's sake. So that, to me, would be – it'd be hard for anything to trump that in my mind. Yeah, it's a great story. I, I would say from a sentimental standpoint for me – probably my favorite memory is my dad brought me out here for the first time when I was probably about six and it was one of the sp first sporting events I'd ever been to and I we followed Fred Couples for a couple of holes and I remember him saying this is sort of one of the the big up-and-coming players on tour so this probably would have been like 82 you know if I was six maybe it was 83 if I was seven somewhere right in there and uh and it you know it was just just being a little kid and being out here was just amazing. Uh, so from a sentimental standpoint, it would it would certainly be that memory. From a professional standpoint, the first time I ever covered the players uh, was such a remarkable experience. I I was working for the St. Augustine Record and had never covered the event before, so I had no idea about getting the under the ropes passes and being able to follow the leaders on Sunday. I mean, unbelievable access. So. I followed the Craig Perks group uh, for the final probably five holes. And to see him finish in such stunning fashion, I want to say he eagled 16, oh, wow. birdied 17, and chipped in on 18 to win it. Uh, 
it, it's one of those things where it's like obviously not like a big name. It's you know I've, you know I've covered players where obviously bigger names have won it. Mm -hmm. Pretty much every other player's was a <laughs> was a bigger name other than maybe like Tim Clark. But uh, but that was just such a a stunning moment for me in in terms of how you could cover this sport, how close you could get, and to feel the you know to be inside the ropes on 17 mm -hmm. and make that walk like kind of b with the golfers, uh, and then be able to sit there and see how it all plays out. It is uh, it is just it it was just such a thrill, and uh, and and it still is. I mean, being out here is. I, I always feel incredibly blessed and, and fortunate to be able to cover the event, but um, but that one for me would be would be the most special from a professional standpoint, and that would have been 2002's players somewhere in there, I believe. How about you? The first one that I came to where I actually watched the golf versus like I started coming in high school and in early college, and I would just be social. But then when I actually started legit paying attention to golf was the year 2004 when Adam Scott won and I followed him for at least half that round not just because he's attractive uh, but because also he's a very good golfer uh, and so that was when I first though like was swept up in like just how magical this all can be and, and then Matt Kuchar winning I was at the turn there and that was an incredible experience everyone's screaming Cooch uh, Frank, you talk about Jacksonville loving Jacksonville. The other night during the Riley Green concert, one of the band members is from Jacksonville, and the whole crowd started yelling Duval. Oh, wow. So I thought that was pretty cool, that immediate reaction. People were like, yes, you're, you're from here. But, yeah, I mean, Ricky Fowler winning in 2015 was really fun. Uh, it, were I, you out here the Sunday he won? Yes. The Sunday he won, I've told this story before, on the Sunday he won, on 17, he's, he's behind – and it, you all, everybody, if you follow this tournament, you know the pin placement on 17 is back right. It's really tough. He hits it stiff, birdie. He on, so that gets him into the playoff. The playoff is an aggregate. He's got to play it again, stiff, birdie. And then the win, the whole, then, then it's down to two. Mm -hmm. They go back to 17, hits it stiff again. Uh, those three shots, if there's any way to do that on YouTube, go back and look at Ricky Fowler's three oh, shots sure on 17, the year he won it. Amazing. Oh, absolutely. And it, just this place, it gets so electric. Like if you've never been out here, the roar that can happen on a certain hole, especially certainly like a 16, 17, you hear it from anywhere else on the golf course. And you're like, dang, I just missed something really right. cool. The David Duvall year, were you covering it then? I was not. Okay. I was still uh, probably uh, drunk out of my mind. 2000? Was, was, was it 2000? or It was 99, I 99. think he won it. Uh, I was not here. I was in I was in St. Pete at the Final Four, and doing shows from the Final Four, but I was following it, and the cool he won here the same weekend his dad won on the Champions Tour in Pensacola, right? That's right. I think it was the same week, which is a really good. That's a, David's a wonderful Jacksonville guy. That was cool, because he's another guy like Mark McCumber, raised here, born and raised here. Um, Fred Funk wasn't born and raised here, but he was the ultimate Jacksonville guy. Him winning was very cool. You know, I mean, Fred Funk, a guy that lived here and had be sort of become one of Jacksonville's own. Uh, There's it, always Funk's punks. Yeah, yeah, right. Remember that? And because so, he was a fun-loving guy and a good dude, and and so so I think some of those those are, those are some great memories. This tournament has had some some great stuff. Uh, golf people will tell you, Jerry Pate winning the first time they ever had it here in '82, and then jumping into the mm -hmm. water. Um, Which now that I know, there's a massive alligator in there. Maybe yeah, not, yeah. Maybe not so smart. <laughs> Speed, by the way, just got to. Three under. Speed did. Speed got to three under. He, if he just birdied, he's now birdied four in a row. 
Because wow. before we came back uh, from in this segment, he had just gotten his third birdie in a row. So Spieth is definitely getting hot. I know yeah, I've told you, you you guys this story before, but I'll tell it again. My favorite, because Hayes got me thinking about it coming out here with his dad. My favorite golf story going with my dad is we went to the old GJO um, when it was at Deerwood. I had to be seven or eight years old, little kid. And um, Bob Golby, I'll never forget it, had a hole-in-one. And, uh, and we were there to watch it. And my dad couldn't believe it. He watched his hole-in-one. So Bob Golby, we were invited. Right there, there's not as many people there. I mean, there's people that would – Galleries are nothing like they are now. So Bob Goldby walked right by us, and my dad goes, Hey, Bob, first one on tour? He's not had a few. Well, I thought my dad knew Bob Goldby. We <laughs> called him my name. I went back and told my mom, Dad knows Bob Goldby. <laughs> my mom goes, Who's that? I said, Who's that? Dad's friend who just made a hole in one at the golf tournament. That's who it is. I, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll never forget the That's moment. Awesome. I'll never forget thinking my dad knew Bob Goldby, whoever the heck Bob Goldby was. In fact, I told that story on the air. And you, a couple of years ago, you looked it up. Turned out he won like the Masters the year before or something like that. Something like that. But something I, like that, yeah. I and it's, by the way, it's pretty good when your response can be, no, nah, I've had a few. He's had a few. Tour. He said that was yeah. his Some answer. people will go their entire lives without ever having a hole-in-one period, yeah. let alone on the PGA Tour. By the way, that's one thing. If you talk, you talk to real good golfers, they've all had three or four. It's, ama- it's amazing to me how many golfers. Yeah, I've had three. Yeah, I've had four. Yeah, I've had five. I mean, it's amazing how many golfers. Yeah. Guy like me who's never had one. It's amazing how many golfers. Like, like we said, there was one earlier today at 17, Hayden Buckley. I guess if you hit it that way. And by the way. Ackerman and I were out here when when um, Toby Keith, the Toby Keith year, and I want to say that later, that couple days later, we saw Sergio hole, hole 17. I think Sergio, a 17, we were here for it. So that's kind of cool. That sounds right, yeah. yeah. That, that's that's awesome. Cool. So no Would question. you like a player's fun fact? Yes. Sergio Garcia, number one in career earnings at this tournament. Really? Isn't that surprising? I did it's, not know that. Yeah. Because I mean, he has won it, yeah. but he never misses the cut here. Yeah. So he's made five point nine million in twenty two starts at the players. Obviously, he's ineligible now because he plays for right. on the live tour. But uh, but yeah, Sergio Garcia. Now that could be eclipsed this week because the purse is so big. Right, it's it, like doubled in the last. Yeah, few so years. like if yeah. Justin Thomas were to win, he he would pass Sergio Bro. Garcia. But uh, but yeah, as of as we're talking right now, Sergio Garcia at five point nine million uh, leads uh, in in. Players' Championship career earnings. If you'd have asked me to guess who, <laughs> we would have been at Tuesday, and I yeah, wouldn't have got it yet. <laughs> it's a great I mean, fun fact, and I was going to stump you guys, yeah. but then I was like, "Well, I'd Sergio I'd just I'd came out." And I'd have never had, and it. it's Thursday. <laughs> I may not get to it, so uh, let's uh, as good as time as any. Let's take a break. We got one hour to go in the program here. Glad you're with us. Rick Ballou follows us live from location. Gibby's got an update. And when we come back, we'll kind of wrap up some things. We'll tell you a little bit about the basketball. The Gators' uh, season ended other than the NIT today uh, in, in a typically close game because they've played an awful lot of those. Uh, we'll certainly talk about that. We'll catch you up today on what's going on here at the Players' Championship. That and a whole lot more. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on the Frangie Show. Is it getting better? Or do you feel the same? Will it make it easier on you now? You got someone to blame. You're saying, won't love. Old Rock Thursday today is U2. 35 years ago, Joshua Tree, one of the great rock albums of all time, was released. So we're celebrating that on Old Rock Thursday. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, 
Lauren Brooks. Andrew Gibson out here on location. He's got, let me tell you, he's got the sunglasses. He's got sort of the mauve magenta. Is that magenta? Would you no, say? It would be magenta. Sort of a magenta. Yeah. Sure, look at me dropping that on you, Carolina. Yeah, sure. You didn't have that, did you? I did not. You had absolutely did not have that. Do you hey. have any magenta? I do think I do, actually. I think you do, too. Hazy, you have magenta? Isn't that magenta? No, yeah. that's maroon. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing over there, Gib? You all right? Good, How, good. How's your day? On a scale of 10, Gib, how's your day right about now? I'd say it's about a 10. Yeah, it's a 10 honest. for all of us, isn't it? We're yeah. all having a 10 out here. It's a beautiful day out here. With, uh, with this weather, I'll t- I will tell you a story about the shirt. So, walking in Love today, uh, it is a magenta-type uh, color. So, walking into the tournament today, uh, the lady who scanned my media credential said, oh, Roll Tide. Ah. And I was like, huh? What, what about this shirt that, says Alabama? Nothing, nothing. You know <laughs> what? She should find her. She should the be fine. The other shirt, the maroon shirt. More yeah, Alabama. that's exactly right. The one that Hayes has no idea. You, yeah. you, Brooks, you, I admit you were impressed that I knew Magenta. You can't, I, you can't I lie. absolutely she, am she's impressed. She's trying to act like she wasn't impressed, but I I'm, dropped that. I'm impressed by everything you've ever said. <laughs> Good answer. Well said. Uh, then impress me by telling me how our, our our people are doing. Loser Monday, we made our picks uh, yesterday. Uh, Lauren, Hayes, Gibby, and me, and Chris Reimer always jumps in. Uh, people want to know who's going to wind up buying lunch on Monday. Uh, what are the early returns telling you? Well, the early returns are saying that Rory McIlroy, the exact opposite of Scotty Scheffler. Rory's in the clubhouse at four over. That would be Reimer's selection. Scotty Scheffler, Frank's selection at four under, also in the clubhouse as is John Rahm, Gibby's guy. He is one under. The two golfers still on the golf course right now, Jason Day, three under through 15. Hayes. He's about to fall back. He just put it in the water on 16. Oh, he did. Okay, I was going to say Hayes made a great pick there, but uh, not that he didn't make a great pick, but uh, not doing quite as well as he was. Uh, and then Justin Thomas not playing so well. He is one over through 13. All right, so JT one over through 13. Um. Jason Day, three under. So he made fall back one. So he made, or two. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't. He, it was weird. He was in the, the tree line. It just happened. Right. He was in the tree line, and he pitched out, but it rolled, rolled, rolled all the way, and then eventually went in. So I don't know where, I don't know where he right. – anyway, so if he gets up and down from there, it's a bogey so, from wherever he's got to right. play it from. So from where I sit now, I got an eight-shot lead on Reimer. I think I feel better for one – as one day goes, I got an eight-shot lead after one. Yeah, you one. should feel pretty good. Uh, I never feel great on this golf course, but at least, at least for today um, – who the uh, Jason Day? I, my guess is that Worsey's going to make bogey. So let's let's, let's say you're still going to have a six-shot lead over Chris Reimer um, with 17 and 18 to play. With 17 and 18 with to a play. golfer that just got wet on 16, <laughs> <laughs> which is very rare, right? Give it me. happens, but okay. it, it's it's it is rare. I'd be interested in knowing how many uh, yeah, balls have gone too. in the water on 16. Gibby's got a five-shot lead on Chris Reimer. And Brooks, you're you're struggling a little bit. You're I gonna, am you're, you're a only bit. a three shot lead. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about that? Uh, not great, but thankfully JT will go off tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah. Like Reimer said, when conditions are a little bit calmer. Yep. So hopefully that uh, has him swing the other way. But he still has plenty of time to, to fix it on the course. This has been a beautiful day. If you're just joining us, uh, if you, hopefully you've listened to our radio station all day long. All of our programs have been there. Dan and Jeffrey in the morning. Mike and Tony for Jaguars today. We're here. Uh, the primetime gang uh, was here, as they have been yet the last few days. And then we're here. And then Rick Blue, I just saw Rick. Rick will wrap up today. He'll here, be here till 8 o'clock. So 6 in the morning till 8 o'clock at night, live here from this spectacularly gorgeous golf course. And we're so happy to be able to do this and so happy to have this in our city. And, and again, you'll 
you'll have a hard time, Hayes, topping the weather we had today and the feel it had today. And it was it was a golf at its finest today at the players. It's been fantastic. And we, we may be getting ready to see a uh, – a coronation isn't the right word, but, uh, but a re-emergence of a, of a really elite young talent in Colin Morikawa. Uh, obviously, he's already got two majors – uh, on his resume, but last season was a disappointment. He never really factored, uh, struggled pretty much throughout all of 2022. And if he is able to take this first round, uh, this this seven under, and if it propels him to, it won't be a wire to wire, but if it propels him to the Players' Championship, that would be a remarkable amount. He'd have a Players, a British Open, and a PGA and he can't be more than 25. Uh, it would be remarkable, and it would be a big announcement that, that Morikawa is absolutely back. Uh, to, to And really, to be honest, it puts him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he'd have two majors and a player's championship. So uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing if Morikawa runs away with this thing. Because, uh, again, it could have been better. He had a couple putts today that barely – barely rimmed out and so uh he, he has a chance i think to to make this his his statement yeah he played extraordinarily well today and you know it, it's funny as we go through the different selections i, I, I am a little surprised that nobody picked morikawa and, and, and reimer was leaning more towards hovland than morikawa but a, a little surprising considering we all know how good of a pl- overall player he is and certainly uh, how he's played here before i think colin morikawa um, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, they're in that group of next up. We've been saying that for two or three years now. They're the they're 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 on the cusp, don't you think? They're right there on the cusp of next up, but you're not sure. It's still hard to pick them when Rom and Rory or whoever JT are, are on the docket, right? Now, right, once and, we've gone through those guys, I think that'll change a little bit. But I think that's I think Morikawa Hovland. Shoffley, I'm missing one or two, but those, those are, that's the next in line group, I think. H- yeah. Homa, maybe? Homa, no? yeah. I yeah. Put him in that group. And again, I mean, Morikawa is a two time major champion. Right. The, the problem with Morikawa in here is that he hasn't been good. He's in, p- before today, his average was 72.33 in six rounds. So, I mean, in, he'd only played six rounds here, and his average is over par. Uh, but obviously, he has discovered something. And again, that's what we talked about. You have to sometimes you have to see this place and compete in this tournament a few times before uh, you can make a, a big step forward, even if you're an elite player. So, uh, you know, Morikawa to me is is somebody that has done it at elite levels, and if he's able to claim the Players Championship, it, I think it puts him right back in everybody's top five. And another guy who we talk about all the time, and we wonder. Okay, he started off so great early on as Jordan Spieth and then obviously wasn't able to win for quite some time and, and his hit or miss. But if he has a resurgence here, Hayes, does he kind of jump back to the top of the forefront of everyone's mind? I think so. I mean, that would be great. Yeah, it, it would be great because, again, he would be, uh, you know, exercising some demons here, uh, having missed, I believe it's five of his last seven cuts. Uh, Spieth has missed here at the Players. But he was T4 in his debut in 2014, and you felt like eventually with the nature of his game, he would figure it out here. Mm-hmm. And he is playing exceptional golf right now. He's certainly going to put himself, barring some sort of collapse, he's going to put himself in great position 
uh, as you mentioned, tomorrow he'll get the morning, which uh, I, I'm surprised that's more isn't made of that. But it seems like that that really is there really is a difference, and you, you just tend around here to see more good scores in the morning than you do in in the afternoon. And uh, so especially we'll, with that weather, tomorrow yeah. Afternoon. So we'll see if if Jordan can take advantage of that. Um, I mean, that'd be phenomenal. I mean, if it's more Kawa and Spieth uh, dueling on the back nine Sunday. Uh, th- that would be, uh, uh, I think, a fan's dream, and certainly, I think, uh, uh, I think NBC's dream. So Spieth right now is two under. He's through 14. Jason Day uh, only dropped one shot after going okay. in the water, so he is two under also through 16. But now it's going to be interesting to see how he handles. You're now going to 17. Mm-hmm. So you just got wet on a hole that's a birdie hole. It's the easiest hole on the course. Now you've got to go to 17, where obviously water is on everybody's mind. And you've got to, you know, that ball's got to be dry or the wheels really yeah. start to fall off. And then you've got to play 18, which is a water hole. So I think any time you, you put it in the hazard on 16, it is an incredible test of your mental toughness. Because this three under that Jason Day had could absolutely blow up if all of a sudden he mishandles 17 and 18. Yeah, I'll bet you, though, I mean, this is a veteran guy. This is, I hear you. But I'll bet I'll bet you I'm not saying he's birding them both, but I'll bet he'll be sa- he'll be okay. It looks like, to your point before we even started, it looks like he came into this thing at a pretty good pl- a pretty good place, you know. And I and I think I think Jason Day, it's a good pick. Jason Day's a good pick. It's easy to pick one of the top guys. It's a good pick. I, I mean, if he you know well, bar, barring a collapse, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, I mean, I think you I, know, you're I'll, allowed to say that as I bite into my yeah, uh, yeah, brisket yeah, yeah, on I, Monday at yeah, about three twenty. Yeah, yeah, I love how panicked you are about it. I've enjoyed that. And by the way, I I, I want you guys to be bold. I just want to take the easy wins. Yeah. I don't want to get lunch. Right. But it is a pretty good pick. I mean, that was a, that's well, a that's a more fun pick than the ones Lauren and I picked. And it'll be more fun eating the ribs that you bring. Okay, <laughs> okay. We picked easy ones. We picked uh, the rest of hey, Gibby, Lauren, and I picked easy ones. You didn't pick an easy one. So, uh, but I, uh, but but I, uh, but well, he's got to get out of here for me to feel. Good about the pick. Yeah. Well, Other, I'm, I'm otherwise, it was a really live bad pick. As we go, so I'll keep you posted. What do we got? What is he? What is he is well, he he's not to quite to 17. The group before him just finished, and so his group should be walking. Yeah, now, having now. said all that nice stuff, yeah, I hope he goes right in the drink. <laughs> oh, just, sure. just, just so yeah. we're clear. I mean, I hope that thing splashes. Like, I hope he hits an alligator on the head. Is right. what I hope happens. Just so you know, oh, I well, love it. I would be the same way. We'll, t- we'll take a break. Hey, when we come back, but I want to get something we haven't gotten to. We have had a lot of stuff. I know probably people don't care. Gibby, you'll care, but the rest of everybody else won't in the world. Have you seen the rosters for the World Baseball Classic? Yes. The, the, the lineups? Yeah. They're all playing. Yeah. This is nobody – before people held off, and I'm not sure. And I don't follow – I assume like when the Olympics come around, all the hockey players play, right? I mean, all the I Canadian so. and Russian hockey players. They just players, take a break. They take a break. But I uh, – more of the lineups for some of these teams. We'll talk a little bit about that and a whole lot more. Stay with us on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an old rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. All right, two segments to go. Lauren will wrap the program in news and notes in about 10 minutes or so. But uh, in the meantime, one more segment to talk golf and a whole lot more. We can report... That uh, Hayes Carline survived. For now. Lauren, he was nervous. 
he was nervous standing over there watching watching Jason Day. I can understand why. It is a very nerve-wracking thing to watch your golfer <laughs> at 17. He hit it up there. He was safely on. I assume he either made birdie or made par. Probably. He just missed, I believe, his birdie putt. Okay, so so uh, barring did. something, yeah, he should par 17. So he's going to be minus two. With Hovland has got an incredible. I mean, he's like right on the edge. Yeah, I mean, he is he is taking forever to figure out how to play this. I mean, he is right up on the bulkhead. His heels are hanging over it at 16, and he's trying to figure out exactly how he's going to hit this ball. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. If if I was standing as close as he is standing to this, right. I'd already fallen in the water. <laughs> well, that that those of us that don't play golf for a living. I would just reach over and just kind of chip it back. Right. I, I wouldn't really worry about how close I got it. He's one under, and yeah. this this is for eagle. Right. So I mean, he he's in good shape in terms of the hole. But he wants to get it close enough to yeah. make the birdie. The the key on that shot is he's on the air. He's the ball's almost touching the the wood. Yeah. It it is it, it's almost touching the top of the bulkhead. That's what's amazing about that. So he has hit it, and he's hit it well, and yeah. it is going to. Almost go in. He's gonna have wow. a very. He's gonna have a very makeable birdie. So tap in birdie. Uh, and he did not fall in the water. <laughs> that is good to hear. <laughs> uh, Gibby, have you seen the lineup for the for the American team in the mate in the uh, World Baseball Classic? Uh, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, the, our team looks pretty good. I, well, I was I was not sure how many guys were gonna play in this, but Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Trey Turner, all these guys are playing. Well, let me say, say something I saw that got my attention. Pete Alonzo and White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson don't start. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. Pete Alonzo doesn't, doesn't – I mean, not first base, not D.A., doesn't start for the team. Tim Anderson is as good a shortstop as there is in baseball, doesn't start. They're, they're the backups. The outfield – I mean, the, the first three in the line here, – here's your, here's, your, here's your first five in your, your order. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Paul Goldschmidt, no, that's not right. Kyle Mookie, Schwarber. Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Kyle Schwarber, Goldschmidt, and Arenado. How's that for your first five? How about, how's that for your five? And they're not the favorite. No, and, and, they're, and they're not the favorite to win. Yeah. Good point. But, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, the, I can only imagine. I haven't seen the Dominicans lineup. It, I've got it's it ridiculous. right here. Yeah, it, yeah. What, what is their lineup? Um, the, the top three guys, you ready for this? Yeah. For the Dominican, Julio Rodriguez, yep. rookie of the year, maybe the best, biggest star, young star in the game. Rafael Devers, yeah. he's hitting second. Yeah. Manny Machado third. How about that? That's oh. your one, two, three. Isn't that amazing? Oh my gosh! I mean, I mean it's really it's amazing. And their pitching is loaded too, right? Yeah. yeah, they've got they've got a bunch of really good players. Robinson Cano is still hanging on, and he's playing in this. Is he really? They play the Braves like C team, maybe their D team. I, there's only one guy I've even ever heard of. Marcelo Zuna started. The Dominican beat them nine nothing. Now this was with all their guys. Mm-hmm. Robinson Cano, who's like forty two, hit a three run homer in the in the exhibition yesterday. Yeah, but I, but I, I mean this is I wish you, I mean, it's only every four years, and it'll never get the attention that the Olympics or the World Cup get. But it's a cool event, and and it's clear now the Major League Baseball people are taking it seriously, like very seriously. Yeah, they are, and and I think Frank the you know the Venezuelan team has. Uh, a really good team too. Their team, top to bottom, might even be as good as the Dominican team. Ready for their one through three? Jose Altuve. Yeah. He's leading off. Ronald Acuna is batting second. Yeah. Luis Arias, who just won the batting title, he's third. And then Miguel Cabrera is fourth. How about that? How about that? I mean, and so, and uh, and by the way, Team Japan. I don't know what else they have. You know what they do have? Otani. They got Otani, who pitched and hit in the first game. 
And uh, I mean, I think it's awesome. I, I mean, I, I really, I love the fact that they're doing it. So they're playing it. I know, I know the finals are all in Miami, mm-hmm. the semifinals and finals right in Miami. But are they playing in the? Are they playing in Puerto Rico too? Is that they're playing kind of? They're, they're playing in Tokyo. Okay. In the United States, I forget. There's four different places, but I was surprised that it was that. The United States stuff is all in Miami. Right. I know, I know, because it's the where the weather's great, and and so so I know so I know the all the all the Miami stuff is in all the United States stuff is in Miami. It's at Marlins Park, but I don't. You're right. There is one in Tokyo, isn't there? That's where the, and I think the Asian teams probably all play there. The Korean team, the the team from China. Um, but anyway, I, I just think it's I think it's fantastic. I can still remember. Well, all four of us were in South Florida. We took one of our – we were going live from spring training. I can remember we all went to Duffy's Sports Bar. Was it, mm-hmm. the, remember yeah. that? Yeah. And it was absolutely on fire, mm-hmm. the amount of people. And most of them were not rooting for the American team. Was it the Dominican team or the Puerto Rican team? Or both? I think it, yeah, I think it might have been both. But we were, remember that? We were in that sports oh, bar, yeah. and it was – I mean, I think that was the first time I'd ever even paid attention to it. By yeah. the way, so it's Taiwan, it's Tokyo, then it's both – other places are in the United States, Phoenix and Miami. Oh, they're playing in Phoenix too. They are. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So I guess people have spring training and they have World Baseball Classic in Phoenix. So, so I didn't realize. And it's cool too. Like some of the managers that you go through and look at who's who's managing these teams. Mike Piazza is the manager of Italy. How about that? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, Mark DeRosa of all people is managing the American. I wonder why. I don't know. That's kind of an odd. I mean, I'm sure he's good. I mean, well, I could probably manage Trey Turner, Kyle yeah, Tucker. Yeah, and, I could too. Uh, well, and, and I can see why they don't want a real manager to be away from his team. Right. I mean, I mean, right I in the middle see, of spring training. Right. A player being away from his team for a bit is one thing. I can see why you don't want a manager away, but it's. A, I'm telling you, it is a when it when the when the round. How does the rounds work now? When it when it, what's the schedule? When is the Lauren's got it pulled yeah, up. Yeah, she's there. got it. Well, that when, was the bracket. I got to get back to the schedule. But but I mean, I'm wondering when, when do we get to the semis and the finals and. I'm probably I'm going to watch with the American. It's about plays. a five week deal, isn't it? Is that right? Something like that. I I thought I thought it's a pretty. I'd have to look at the schedule. I don't think they wanted to go into the regular season, and the regular season starts March 29th, right, Gibby? Oh, so it's super quick then. Yeah, yeah. I think it finishes like March 22nd. Right, maybe. Oh, so it's really quick. Yeah, yeah, it is quick. It's oh, okay. But but I, I but I will watch again when the games are on, and again, right now the game like the games in Asia are on in the mornings mm-hmm. for us. But I, I will, I will, I will watch. When does the U.S. teams play some exhibitions? I know they played the. You're right, Lauren. They're playing. They, they've played the Giants, and mm-hmm. which I think that was last that night. Would, maybe then that would be in Arizona. I'm an idiot. Of course, they're they're not going to play the Giants in in Miami. So. <laughs> so the I think the first U.S. game is Saturday at 9 p.m. Against. Against Great Britain. Okay, so Saturday, Saturday. And Wayne Wright is pitching for the United States. And that is in Phoenix. I would assume so. Okay. They don't exactly give you all the information on yeah, this yeah. site. You either look at the bracket to know where the games are, or you look at the schedule, but it doesn't tell you where the games are. But my guess is, my guess is the first round. I need to get the, with this, p- these people. The first round in the U. The first round the U.S. plays will be in Phoenix, and then the semifinals and finals I know are in Miami, which would be. I mean, I, again, I could, and they will pack it. By the way, that Marlins Park doesn't get filled very often. Sorry, Marlins fans, if there are any of you, that thing doesn't get filled very often, but it will absolutely get filled uh, for. What did you see? Did you see something in golf? I thought we just saw another ace. But it was this morning? I, I can't tell yet. That, I don't think it was from this morning. I think that might have actually just happened. Okay. That's an exciting uh, thing that would have happened to the players. I think we would have heard it. Yeah, That's what yeah, I would have thought, too. But yeah. the guy we would have really heard it. Buckley, I mean, who did it this morning, was wearing a white hat, and he threw it into the crowd. And okay. this is 
someone else. So I'll try and figure well, out. Well, that Twitter. was Hovland's group. I wonder if, I mean, Hovland was next on 17T, his group. So I'd, I mean, I guess yeah. you would think we would, we, from here. Yeah, I think right, you, 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 you were close enough to 17, we'd hear the real crowd. If it was an A, because they'd lose their minds. Yeah, so, but we'll give you an update. Uh, uh, Gibby's going to give you an update just in a second of who's winning, who's not, where we stand in the golf tournament. And then Lauren will wrap the program right after this with news and notes. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. What's going on in the world? It's time for Frangie Show News and Notes. Here's Lauren Brooks. Welcome back to the Frangie Show. Live here at the Players Sawgrass Square. We have had just a wonderful time out here today as i believe all of the patrons have as well all right you too also on old rock thursday good selection it's been a fun listen all day long all right we did not talk about this i uh, i know yesterday i don't think you guys talked about this uh the day before because i think the news came out after uh tuesday but the domestic dispute between tiger woods and his longtime girlfriend it's getting a bit ugly but what i can tell is it seems like they got into a dispute and he wanted her to move out of his house, and she refused. And so finally, he kind of had to trick her to go on a plane to leave somewhere. And then he locked all the door, or changed all the the codes and uh, keys to the doors. And now she's obviously not very happy about it. And she is claiming damages of more than thirty million dollars uh, against his trust, not necessarily Tiger, but against the trust. How about that? Thirty yeah. million. Yeah, I mean it's thirty he, million dollars. Yeah, he's had, he's had. Yeah, Entanglements. He's had stuff. <laughs> I said the same thing. Tiger, I, I'm, uh, Tiger, God bless his soul. That's well said. I, you, that was said very succinctly and very accurately. My goodness, Tiger. My, again, my goodness. Hmm. In an appearance yesterday on the Burns and Gambo podcast, former Jaguar Kelvin Beecham opened up about yeah. his quarterback, Kyler Murray, or former quarterback now. When asked what Murray has to do in order to be great, Beecham immediately answered, grow up. I, I, I think – a little bit like Baker Mayfield, there's others that a little bit of maturity would help him. I, I've heard that more than one time. You know, the one of the things that helps these these great quarterbacks, Mahomes and and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and 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 Joe Burrow, is they're grown up, good teammates and good leaders. You know, that's the uh, that's they're 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 really good leaders. That's and, and I think. That, that's one of the reasons people love Mahomes so much. That's one of the reasons people are, have there's so much consternation about Lamar. That's one of the reasons Burrow's been so good. And Josh Allen, they are very good leaders. And Mayfield probably had to learn that a little bit. And I think Kyler Murray's got to learn. I've read that more places than one that he's got to grow up. I, I'm not, I wasn't surprised, Hayes, by the comments. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm a little surprised just because Kelvin Beecham, we know him since mm-hmm. he yeah. played here. Yep. Right. And, I mean, 
he's about as mature a guy as there is. So this is very smart. Uh, yeah. So it must be pretty bad for Kelvin Beecham. <laughs> yeah, that's right. To <laughs> feel agree. free enough to say it. Yeah. Uh, and and again, that's the thing. And at the NFL level, talent isn't enough. Kyler Murray has a lot of talent, but that's not enough. You've got to put in the work. You've got to be obsessed with everything that goes into being the starting quarterback of an NFL team. And if you're not, it's going to eventually catch up to you. And it feels like it has with Kyler Murray. And, I mean, i got to be honest, I, I don't see him coming out of this. I, I think we've seen the best football that we're going to see out of Kyler Murray. You know, I – He's gonna I don't have be high around. Hopes. I don't have high hopes either. Yeah, I, I, but, I would agree with that. But I, I don't. I think he's only gonna fall further down the pecking order of starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, no, I tend to agree too. It, once you saw the addendum to the contract that included, uh, or his extension that included, the fact that he needed to spend more time studying the playbook, that should never, ever, ever have to be in anyone's contract, especially a quarterback's. The Houston Texans will lose their fifth-round selection in this year's draft, and they'll be fined $175,000 over a salary cap reporting violation. Hayes, the NFL opened an investigation into the organization and determined that the Texans provided then-quarterback Deshaun Watson with undisclosed compensation in the form of a membership at an alternative athletic facility in 2020. I mean, <laughs> where do you start with this one? Um, but, uh, Is that what we're calling yeah, massage places, I mean, alternative athletic facilities? It's always been hinted that Houston certainly was aware and may have even been setting up mm-hmm. the appointments. And, again, this, this is a, a, a layer of that. But, uh, but, yeah, it's embarrassing for mm-hmm. their organization. Anytime you lose a draft pick, it, it stings. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, it's just a, it's, it's been a tough go in Houston. That was the thing that, we, of all the Jaguar stats that, thankfully, Doug Peterson has completely gotten rid of, the one that was the most like, how is this happening, is the Texans' dominance <laughs> over the Jaguars. <laughs> When the Texans can't do anything right. Except beat the Jaguars. Except yeah. beat the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah. And now, thankfully, that's, that's over. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it hurts. I mean, you lose a fifth-round pick. And, again, to, you know, to do something that was silly. And, and again. Alternative we, we, athletic we, facility. facility. We may find out down the road that, that they had way more to know, way more knowledge of what was happening mm-hmm. than what is uh, what has come to light. I need to check out some alternative athletic <laughs> facilities. I've never didn't know much about those. They, do you remember when uh, when Wayne Huizenga tried to pay Dan Marino yes. with Republic stock? Yeah, and not counted against the cap. Right, that didn't work either. Yeah, I can't do that. I do wonder. We've talked about this with Mahomes a little bit in the past, as, as far as his massive contract that he got a few years ago. Will the NFL ever allow a franchise to give a percentage of the franchise revenue to, and I'll just say the quarterback because I'm not sure that any other player would necessarily warrant that, but instead of having to pay Trevor Lawrence $60 million a year, if Shad Khan could, according to NFL rules, be able to give Trevor Lawrence $30 million a year plus 3% or whatever the percentage would be of, of the Jaguars' revenue? Well, it really does go back to the, the Heisenga Marino thing. You can pay him however you I, I, I say this like I know. My guess would be... You can pay them however you want, but the equal value still goes against the cap, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean if you correct, you can't and you can't supplement that, no, right? So, right, um, I mean, it counts. I mean, correct the value would you pay him? You can't you can't get away with paying him more and not counting against the cap. 
Right. But I would think if I was a quarterback, I would rather have the percentage of the revenue along with my salary. I think what, where you're getting at is something that has been hinted that will eventually come, and it could come in Trevor Lawrence's contract, which is quarterbacks not having necessarily a set salary mm -hmm. year by year by year, but a percentage of the cap. So that if the cap does dramatically spike, yeah. they're not sitting there with the same stagnant contract. Their, their contract jumps in correlation to the salary cap. So that's like the next frontier. So that is something that absolutely could be uh, coming with these next with the Burrow, Herbert, yeah, that would be smart. Lawrence deal be smart. is I'm not going to agree to a number every year, right. but we can agree to a percentage of the whatever the salary cap comes in at. And it's much better for the player because obviously they know the cap is only going to go up. You're exactly. never going to deal with the cap staying where it is and certainly not regressing. By the way, quick correction from the end of uh, the last segment. I said it, someone might have gotten another hole-in-one today uh, on 17, but it was a highlight from last year, Shane Lowry, ah. getting a hole-in-one on 17 uh, in last year's tournament. So just wanted everyone to know uh, you only still, I believe, to this point, have Hayden Buckley's from this morning. Uh, speaking about uh, the NFL and, and draft picks, the NFL announced today that it has awarded 37 compensatory picks to 16 teams. For the 2023 NFL draft, Hayes, uh, no Jaguars compensatory picks. Though. Yes, for the uh, 87th <laughs> consecutive year, the Jaguars will not have a comp pick. But next year, I think they will if, if again, we hope that Jawan Taylor, Taylor gets and, signed. and Arden Key are, are Jaguars. But if, uh, if Jawan Taylor signs somewhere else, it's probably going to be a big enough contract to warrant a third-round pick. And uh, if Arden Key... I signed somewhere else. That one could be a fifth-round pick. And, again, a lot of it will depend on how active the Jaguars are. But if they're not overly active, uh, and I don't think they'll be active to the level of the contracts Taylor and Keel combined for, then that'll factor into the formula that will produce comp picks for the Jaguars. It'll be the first time that, uh, that we've seen that. We've never had a comp pick? They've had it, but okay. it's been a it's long, yeah. long, long time ago. I want to say they haven't had a comp pick in 16 years. Something okay. like that. Uh, Matthew Stafford did win a Super Bowl for the Rams, but today uh, NFL reporter Michael Lombardi said on the Pat McAfee show that they would love to trade him, and Matt Stafford is fully available. How about that? <laughs> it's a quick turnaround in the NFL. I, and, I, and I've never loved Stafford like everybody else has. I mean, he did win a Super Bowl, and he, and he deserves that, and he played well to win it. I've never been the, the, the Stafford supporter that others have, but – He's available. I just I don't think anybody in the world's trading for Matt Stafford. I, I just don't see it now. So what are the Rams doing? Yeah, because they can't tank. They don't even have their pick. Right. Yeah. That'd be that'd be amazing. Is you're you're the worst team in the league and you don't get to take Caleb they, Williams because you <laughs> stupidly <laughs> traded your pick. Do they still have Mayfield? Yes. So, so he's their quarterback. Oh, I think. Or is he, he a free agent? He might be a free agent, yeah. but I think Mayfield wants to come back. The um yeah. By the way, I think he's still with the Rams. We are, there is more and more. There is more chatter of Garoppolo to Houston than I expected. I was convinced Houston would wind up with a rookie, but there's more. Have you noticed that? There's, yeah, it doesn't there, make sense to me. But there is some chatter. There is. There, there is chatter. So would there. you, I guess, at that, it, it, I guess if you're Houston and you sign Jimmy G, your plan is Will Anderson at two and then Levis at 12? I would think you're still going to draft a guy. And maybe, and maybe well, Levis might not be there at 12. Right, yeah, you'd be yeah. hoping. But Yeah, that's right. But I would think you're still – my guess is you're still drafting a guy, but you might not draft him at two. Yeah, I think uh, I think 
That would make sense. Uh, in college baseball last night, Frank, Florida improved to 12-3 and after defeating FAU 11 nothing, And then Florida plays host to Siena for a three-game series this yeah, weekend. Yeah, Caglione hit a Grammy to, to yes. end it. You know, to I mean, now eighth, with which, the 10-run rule. Yeah, how many early finishes has the, Florida uh, had? Other, like, yeah, run rules. at least four. At yeah, least four, maybe more. I don't remember that. Yeah, the, the, the one I went to on Sunday. The Miami game, it ended with a walk-off granny. Mm-hmm. And last night was a walk-off granny. So, they, uh, yeah, I, uh, the ball he hit. It's still going. It's about Newberry by now. I mean, it was it was a line drive monster. I, I saw this stat last year. The hardest hit ball in the major leagues was O'Neill Cruz at one nineteen mm-hmm. of uh, exit velocity. The second highest was was John Carlos. No, that's not right. One twenty two. O'Neill Cruz hit one one twenty two. John Carlos Stanton hit one one nineteen. Caglione hit one last night one twenty. Now again, it's with a metal bat, right? Yeah, but he hit bat. one. He hit one one twenty last night. I he's mean, how many? He's got ten home runs. Uh, how well, many at bats? No, is he's, <laughs> he's got twelve home runs. <laughs> and and what? Like fifty at bats? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't seem like. Yeah, he's. La- it, 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 the, it's got to be ridiculous. Why? Why Langford set the school record last year with twenty six for the season? He had four through the amount of games that Caglione has twelve. Maybe wow. it's 11. Is it 11 or 12? He has 11 home runs 11. in 15 games. Uh, 11 and 15 The NCAA single-season home run record holder is Pete former Pete Incabilia. Ho- yep, Incabilia. Uh, who hit 48 in 75 games in 1985. Remember Incabilia? Caglion's on pace to hit 55 over the course of 75. Yeah. Yeah. Incabilia hit him like every game, it felt like. Yeah. I so wouldn't have gotten that, but I remember, I remember yeah. him as a big leaguer. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. And just uh, to wrap up, Today, as far as the golfers go, Justin Thomas is one over. He is through 16, so he is still on the golf course. Everybody else's golfer, I have Justin Thomas. Everyone else's golfer is in the clubhouse. Rory McIlroy, four over. A tough day for him. John Rahm, one under. By the way, Rory is uh, Chris Reimer's selection. John Rahm is Gibby's selection. He is one under. Jason Day, Hayes' selection, finished at two under. And Scotty Scheffler, Frank's selection, finished at four under. So JT, like I said, the only one still on the golf course. And now let's say hello to Rick. Blue. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet, keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Rick Blue is out here to kind of wrap the day. Rick, what a what a gorgeous day this was. Yeah, what four or five degrees warmer than oh, yesterday, maybe. Degree, but just gorgeous. Not too. as breezy. You know, yeah, yeah, just gorgeous. Look, look again. Cooler than May, obviously, but just a gorgeous setting today. Yeah, I got to believe the fans very happy about the um, the conditions out here. Really not able to to break a sweat and uh, just go out and watch some good golf. The the course now starting to play a little bit tougher, uh, as you would expect uh, with with the second wave. But uh, it's it's interesting to watch Jordan Spieth and and Justin Thomas um, putting up Phil Mickelson type of of golf cars, uh, golf uh, scores where pars are, you know, of the, uh, of the irregular, if yeah. you will. It's birdies, it's bogeys, it's double bogeys, it's all sorts of different stuff. Matter of fact, Justin Thomas a moment ago just missed an eagle attempt, a 51-footer. He left himself about five feet from birdie. So, Come um, on, JT. Yeah, it's fun watching this, you know. I mean, who wants a – a base hit right up the middle when right. you can uh, hit a gapper and go for two, and that's what these guys are doing. What has surprised you? Anything today? Anything jump off the page for you? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously um, what we saw early this morning, who would have thought that a guy who 
you know, out of Mississippi State would go bogey-free and shoot an 8-under 64 out here. We've had that happen before with some with some golfers on the PGA Tour, but, you know, what Chad Ramey did earlier today uh, just simply blew me away, how you can get around as a rookie your first time ever playing this event and you play bogey-free golf. Danny Rick, I That's walked, what he did. I walked with him for about five holes. He was he was golfing his ball now, man. Yep. I mean, he, he was he – was, Calm, collected, uh, hitting it stiff yeah. all day long today. So interesting stuff. So very good. All right, all right, what's coming up? Well, we got all this. We got a lot of golfers still out there. Uh, again, the the course overall average is beginning to raise, and I think that that'll continuously be the uh, the scenario. As I, I said yesterday, thirteen out of the last fifteen winners here got out early on Thursday and then played late on Friday. So that sets up well uh, for Chad Ramey and among others. We'll see if they're is a score that is posted low here, um, you know, with these final groups that are coming in. But I, th- I think most out there would say that's not going to happen. All right. Rick Blue's going to tell you what is going to happen. He comes up in just a bit. Thank you, Rick. Folks, that'll do it for our program. One more day for us out here at the Players. We'll be out here tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. All of our programs will. Dan and Jeff in the morning, Mike and Tony with Jaguars today. The primetime gang, noon to three. Then we'll be out here. And then Rick will wrap up the week tomorrow night as well. Glad you have been with us. Stay tuned, though. Rick Blue is next. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM.